Hey team, Richard Tubb here, back with another episode of Tub Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Now, many of you will know how much I evangelize about the power of community. Peer groups can help you to accelerate the growth of your MSP, your managed service provider business. And indeed, before I sold my MSP business, I attribute the success and the growth of that business to the support and guidance I receive from my peers within the community. And when we talk about the managed service community, one man is synonymous with a community that has become what is, in my opinion, don't laugh here, Nigel, I'm doing a serious intro. (laughs) (laughs) When we talk about managed services, one man is synonymous with a community that what has become, in what is my opinion, the MSP community that has helped more people than any other I'm talking, of course, about the Tech Tribe, and I'm joined today by the founder and the illustrious leader of the Tech Tribe, Nigel Moore. How you doing, mate? I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to live up to all of the hype now. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, oh, crap, now I've got to, now I've got to perform. Now I've got to live up to the whole, the whole everything you've just told about me. Well, which... you are an absolute legend in this industry, and I hope during our conversation, people are going to get to know you a little bit more, as well as, of course, about the Tech Tribe. Now, for anyone who isn't familiar with the Tech Tribe, it was way back in Tub Talk episode 51, Nigel and I discussed the history of the Tech Tribe as a community. Mm-hmm. However, Nigel, I guess, you know, there's going to be some new listeners for the show. So can you give us a potted reminder? What is the Tech Tribe and how do you help MSPs? Good question. In the early days, it was easy to describe, but it's kind of morphed into a lot of different things now. But um, we we recently sat down and did some, like, what is our vision and what's our purpose? Like, why do we exist? And the number thing, one thing I came back to was very simply to help MSPs thrive, like to do whatever we can with resources, training, templates, enablement, community support, all that stuff to help an MSP better row, better run and better grow their business. And that can be around marketing training. It can be around providing a community where they hang out and and um, get support from each other and ask questions from each other. It can be the the content that we provide, like the marketing content that we provide each month, the marketing and sales automation platform that we give them to help run an MSP. Um, so there's lots and lots and lots of different parts, but essentially at its core, the whole thing is um, full of different ways that we can help MSPs get better at running their business and um, and growing their business. Yeah. I want to give a little bit of history with our relationship as well, because I think, you know, we've been friends for a long time now. People, uh, some people will know that we've got a longstanding relationship, but others won't. So I want to explain. So you reached out to me not long, I think, after you'd sold your MSP business. So what what year was that? That was uh, I probably reached out to you late 2017. I sold my business in 2016. I started, yep. launched the Tech Tribe in January 2017. And I probably reached out to you late 2017, I think. Um, you did. Early 2018, somewhere thereabouts. You pressed all the right buttons with me. Carl put me in touch with you, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Palachuk. Because I was traveling, I remember I was traveling to the UK and yeah. um, and I posted a thing on my Facebook saying, hey, I'm traveling to the UK. Who should I go and hang out with? And Carl said, oh, you've got to go and meet Richard Tubb. And I'd been following your books and whatever for, for many years and went, ah, awesome. Let me go and hunt him down and go and hang out. You did. Mm. And we, um, we, well, it was a little bit before that. I remember you saying to me, uh, you know, sold the MSP business. You were very complimentary. You said, oh, followed your stuff on that, which was, you know, um, absolutely great uh, for my ego that somebody of your caliber had, you know, uh, read my blog and all the things. And you said, look, we're running this online community. Do you want to come and take a, a quick look? And for years, people have been asking me, hey, when are you going to run your own community? Because back then I was doing MSP coaching. And I said, I'm not. It's bloody hard work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, I'm <yep>. fi- 
as we, as we will get into. As but, I found out. <laughs> as you found out, yeah, the hard way. And uh, But you said, hey, do you want to come in and hang out in the community? And I did. And, and I said to you then, and again, I say it now, if I were to run a community, which I'm definitely not, it would look just like the Tech Tribe, uh, but it is really hard work. And, you know, so I was in, in the business with you and uh, mm. um, doing stuff in the UK, uh, all sorts of things for, for a good few. In-person meetups? In the yeah, in-person meetups and all the rest of it for a good few years before I stepped away. When was it? October of last year, so October. Two years ago? Eight uh, ago? Yeah, October 22, I think it was, to concentrate on my own business. But, so there's the potted history. We, we are friends. You are one of the people that I cite as the smartest, most successful <laughs> person in the industry. And Sorry, I'm going to stop laughing. Listeners can already hear you're like you're deeply uncomfortable being given yeah. uh, compliments and that, but it is the yep. you know the God's honest truth. I've learned more from you than you know very few other people. You mentioned Carl Palachuk, our great friend there, uh, yourself, Carl, and that I hold up as you know just the epitome of what this industry is all about. So there's the history of it. I'm a massive fan of the Tech Tribe. Uh, we just before we came on air, we were saying the, the two communities that I say to MSPs when they were like, Oh, I'll get involved in communities, where should I go? And I say, The absolute no brainers, CompTIA and the Tech Tribe. And there's loads of communities out there, but for me, those are the two base communities that every MSP should be involved in. And then, of course, we've got other communities like HDG or uh, ConnectWise Evolve. Uh, Troopier, uh, loads of ASCII, loads of other communities. So no knock on any of those, but the Tech Tribe for me is the foundation. If you want documentation, if you want templates, if you want advice, if you want support, Tech Tribe is the place to go. But the Tech Tribe, of course, is a paid community, albeit it's an absolute bargain, low cost. So I guess the question would be, for anybody who is unfamiliar with the Tech Tribe, why do you think folks pay to join the Tech Tribe and pay a monthly fee rather than use those free communities that are out there, such as you know Reddit, Facebook, that type of thing? Yeah, good question. To speed things up, um, and so and also to like you mentioned Reddit, and I don't like disparaging other places and platforms, but Reddit's got a bit of a a or a lot of a um, reputation for being a challenging place to get good advice from. Let's leave it at that. It's the and, wild um, west. It's the wild it west. It is the wild west. And some of the stuff that I've, like I've been tagged on things on there over the years. And every time I get in there and get sucked into the vortex of Reddit, I I feel sorry for the people that are getting advice from there and, um, and getting stuff from there just because the advice is given from an anonymous perspective and an anonymous frame and is, is often given out of, of ego or whatever it happens to be or, and bullying happens in there and all sorts of stuff. So it's like, we provide a space, um, our community side of the tech tribe is where we, where people pay to play and typically in any pay to play thing where we, everybody has to show up as themselves, not as a, uh, an anonymous um, guest in there or anonymous person, when people pay to play and show up as themselves, they tend to show up better. And obviously we've got some community guidelines and rules that help people figure out how to show up in the best way possible um, for themselves and for the benefit of the rest of the community. And so that pay to play kind of, I hate to say, but it weeds out some of the riffraff in there as well. The people yeah. that, that, um, that just probably shouldn't be hanging out in a community and helping because they're, they're there for ego, not for, the the benefit of or for the help of everyone around them as well. Yeah. So you've alluded there actually, you know, the different facets to the tech tribe. So the community is awesome. You know, you go in there and unlike Reddit, and I'll I'll say openly, like you go on Reddit and uh you ask a Challenge. question, you're gonna get a hundred people tell you why you're an idiot. Uh yeah. and, and stuff like Pretty that, much. which is not cool. I've never hung out there. Some people swear by it, 
but for me, it's it's it very feral, and it you know that type is, of thing. Yeah. So the Tetribe community, as I said, it's the community that that that, that I evangelize about the most, and it's because it's a nurturing community. It's very supportive. Uh, so the community aspect of it, the forums to speak of, absolutely brilliant. We talked about the the in person meetups. Uh, which are launched in the UK a few years ago and are going great. And you've got going all the all around the world that are open to anybody. They're not just open to Tetribe members. They're open to vendors. They're open to anybody within the managed service community, whether you're a Tetribe or not. More about that later. Um, but yeah, the, the community side of things in the Tetribe, brilliant, supportive. But you've got so much more than that, haven't you? So tell us a little bit more. I, I alluded to like the documentation, the templates and things, but there's way more than that as well. So what's new? What, what have you added new to the Tetribe over the um, past few years? What have we added new? Um, one of the biggest things we added was um, a complete, like one of the biggest challenges, as you know, that every MSP faces is how the heck do I grow my business? They're always like one of the biggest challenges is marketing and sales and how to do all that stuff. Uh, it's it's not um, marketing and sales language is not a language that us MSP, us MSPs typically understand to get started with. And so we've over the last few years we've we've been pretty heavily focused on delivering a lot of growth related stuff, like things that can help you get started in your marketing journey and in your sales journey, getting better at those things. And one of the things that we added in there was we always hear in these conversations around, hey, like I don't have a marketing um, automation tool or platform, and I don't I can't build landing pages, and I can't um. Uh, I don't have a sales CRM where I'm tracking all of my leads and the pipeline and all of that sort of stuff. And um, so I came across this awesome platform many, many years ago called High Level out there, which is a white labeled uh, marketing and sales automation platform, plus a bunch of other stuff as well. And so I, when I first came across it, they didn't have a few key features that I, I wanted, like two-factor authentication. And I went, ah, we're not going to roll it out just yet until they start to do that. And I pushed them for probably eight, a good 18 months um, to, to roll out some of the features that I wanted before we we did it. But then we um. They finally did, and then we pulled the pulled the flick the switch and and launched that out to our members as a a free offering as part of their membership. And so now all of our members get access to a completely very featured complete marketing and sales automation platform and sales CRM and landing page builder and website builder and social media scheduler and um, all sorts of stuff in there uh, that allows you to send emails and um, SMSs and and track all your sales appointments and all sorts of stuff all in one platform. We call that Growably. And um, and we fill it up with our own content of campaigns and landing pages and uh, email campaigns and everything as well. So we we can, from our perspective, we can click a couple of buttons and push all of that stuff out into all our our members' stuff as well. So they can literally just start using them. And so that gets rid of those those excuses that we're always hearing of I don't have a automation tool, I don't know, I can't send emails, I don't have a prospecting list or anything. Like we give it to everybody for free now, um, including um, some pretty darn awesome some help desk support. Uh, that I've had to invest into as well to to build the team out to go and support that whole system as well. We've got about, I think we're 3,200 of our members are using that platform in some way, shape or form at the moment. Some are just getting started. Some are using it like crazy in there. And um, and so that's one of the big things. And and um, as I said, because we're in that marketing and sales um, as one of our primary areas that we're, we're helping focus on, there's um, there's a bunch of campaign style stuff that we give to our members. We, we offer marketing packs each month and a an awesome printed newsletter service where they can click a button and every single month a brand new uh, printed newsletter is is created for them in print ready format with all the bleed lines and everything on it um, and digital format ready to be sent to their printers or to their their clients as well that has all the stories written and all the articles done and everything for them. So um, there's a bunch of that sort of stuff that's marketing content out there designed for people that are doing nothing to get started, get up to, to layer one in your, your marketing journey. 
Um, so that's a that's a bit of it. But as you said, one of the other things we rolled out recently was the that we've started to to roll out in person events all around the world as well uh, on a monthly basis. The UK is where you kick them off, and um, we've got I think we've got about eight to ten regular events that happen over there nearly every month, every second month, depending on the cadence of some. And they're just a an awesome place where. Um, but when I was joining the MSP in, or when I first, I was in the MSP industry for probably six or seven years before I discovered community. But when I joined the community, uh, out here in Australia called SMBIT Pro and, um, and came across in-person events and the power of in-person events, I was hooked, like hooked like crazy, uh, because it was just this awesome space where I could each month come and have these great conversations with other MSPs that are my competitors, but I was learning so much and giving them so much and whatever in return. And so we're, we've built that, I've started to build that out now. And um, 2024, we plan on rolling those groups out all around the world, um, USA and Australia and Canada and New Zealand and uh, more in the UK and some in Europe as well. We've got some a bunch of interest over in Europe that's that's popping up. So so there's some of the things that have been in there recently yeah, um, that yeah. we've added to the mix. I remember you and I having the conversation because, um, you know, we've gone on a fairly similar uh, journey when we grow our MSP businesses. We'll talk about that uh, in, in a moment. But we spoke about just how much the community added value and helped us accelerate the growth of our MSPs. And, you know, we were virtually identical experiences. You in Australia, me in the UK, we had groups like Amit Pro and SBSE and all sorts mm. of things like that. Yeah, yeah. We were saying just what a shame it is that that sort of, you know, died away for various reasons and the groups weren't there. And so now that, you know, they're up and running, it gives me you know, a great deal of pleasure to see, you know, and not just in the UK, but worldwide, these groups coming behind. So, you know, a public thanks for you for for launching, getting those things up and running again, because it is such a key, mo- such a key part of MSP's growth, that peer. Like you and I have talked about, we've learned from the smartest, most successful people in this industry have given freely of their time and experience. 100%. And that's yeah, yeah, still yeah. true today, isn't it? Let, let's talk about yeah. the experts uh, a, a little bit first, because the Tech Tribe is not Nigel Moore. You know, the Tech no. Tribe is a community with so many of the world's top MSP experts in there. So off the top of my head, I'm thinking about, you know, we've got uh, Paul Green, we've got Andrew yep. Moon, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got... Yeah. Uh, Mention some more names to us there. People who hang out. Who else hangs out? For so many. Yeah. Jennifer Bleem. Um, I've got to think off the top of my head. Well, yeah, yeah, Pete, Pete Matheson. Uh, Pete Matheson hangs out there. Yeah, you got Paul sold, Lloyd over in the UK who hangs out there. He sold his MSP business through a connection in the tech tribe. He did. Yeah, yeah, funny yeah. enough, he did. So, um, you know, got, that sort of thing. But, yeah, but there's, there's a bunch of people that have either, we've, like, as you know, in the, the MSP industry, there's this cohort of people that, that go through the journey like you and I do that go and build an MSP and sell an MSP for whatever reason. And, um, and then we go into vendor land, let's, let's call it where we're then going and serving MSPs in some way, shape or form. And there's a number of them that are in our industry that, that often love to give back and, um, and they've gone off and they're starting to build a vendor. And so they're giving back in communities, they're sharing their experiences as they did, but they're also building their own authority and profile out there as well. Um, and that's helping them get people across of seeing their new products, whatever it happens to be that, that are out there to help MSPs. Um, another one that comes to mind is Jamie Warner, who's another Aussie yeah. MSP owner. Um, awesome dude who he still owns his MSP. Him and his brother built it, I think from their, their like the typical from their basement or their, their mum's garage or something like that. Um, and they're, they're pushing, they're getting close to 10 million a year in, in recurring and, um, which is a rather, rather large MSP out here in Australia. It's probably nothing in the U S but out here in Australia, it's a pretty big MSP, but he also has gone into Vendorland as well and has got a, a, a great product in the customer experience space. And so he hangs out in the tech tribe, helping and serving where he can as well. Uh, but there is a bunch, like there's a, a bunch of awesome people that just serve along with all our awesome MSPs. Like they're, 
they're in there helping each other. We've got a, all our VIP users at Hangouts and and when they can add some value to a conversation or point people in the right direction or whatever, they they certainly do. Yeah. Uh, so, cool. so many of the, the industry's top names, again, give sort of freely of their time and, and experience. You do an incredible job and we'll talk more about Team tri- uh, Tribe, the people behind the Tech Tribe very, very shortly as well. But uh, are you, can you share with us like, you know, um, what the pricing looks like at the moment, how many members you've got, that type of thing? wildly expensive and it's all under nda because it's so expensive um yeah, <laughs> we we just had our first price increase um since i think jan uh, not jan uh, probably june or something 2017 yeah uh, we went from 49 us dollars per month to 59 us dollars per Goods month Good lord nigel there's two reasons for that number one is i always want to like it, it's self-serving in one way and not self-serving in the other way. And part of it is that I always want to make sure that the tech tribe is available at a price point that's accessible to every MSP out there. Um, so that we're not saying to MSPs, Hey, you're not going to be able to get access to all of this stuff because you, you're priced out. And, um, and I was an MSP that when I started mine, I was like $50,000 in credit card debt. I was living in a tiny pokey apartment and um, operating my MSP from my living room table. And there was a, a couple of peer groups that I did want to join and they were $1,500 or $1,200, I think, US dollars at the time. And that was massive to me. And I couldn't join them because they were just, I, I didn't have $1,200 per month of free cash flow. And um, whereas 50 US dollars per month, anyone that's running a, an MSP can find that out there and get access to good quality stuff. So part of it is that I always want to make sure that we're, we're maintaining a price point that's accessible to as 99.999% of the, the industry are not going crazy with our pricing. The other part is that, um, and this is a, it goes back to an old Walt Disney saying of build a product that's so darn awesome that your members can't help but tell their friends about it. And I've always operated under this principle with the tech tribe that I want to build a product that's so darn ridiculously valuable that our members nearly feel guilty if they don't tell their friends about us. And um, and it, it works. It becomes our marketing strategy in, the strategy in that so many people talk about the tech tribe and we get probably five to 10 members a day via referrals from people just telling their friends about how much value is in there. And so the, the flip side of that is it becomes our marketing strategy for us. And we don't have to do a lot of marketing in the world to, to have a, a nice growing um, member base in there. And um, so the price point is stupidly low. I get kicked in the butt. I've literally had multiple tech tribe members ask me if they can pay more because they feel guilty that they're paying too little in there. Um, the answer is always no. Then I've had my whole team kick me up the rear end saying, Nigel, you've got to get this price. And I'm like, no, we just, I just want to build one more thing. <laughs> Let's build one more thing. Uh, but we finally did. We were going through a billing, a big backend billing migration. So it made sense while we were doing the whole billing migration to type in a new figure in the pricing than, than the existing figure in there. So I went from 49 to 59 per month um, or 590 per year um, in US dollars. And in terms of numbers, I don't, I haven't looked at them for a little bit um, because I've, they're just, they've always just been going up. We have grown uh, every single month since we started in January, 2017. We have, we have had a bigger month than the month previously in terms of member numbers. Um, and I think we're somewhere between the 4,200 to 4,300 ish MSPs in there. And one of the things we give to all our members is the ability for them to add their entire team to the platform and the, the community and everything for free as well when they join. Um, and and that's also something that I keep getting kicked up the butt that we should be <laughs> charging for that. But I like to me, when an MSP joins, the, I don't want just the owner to have access to it. Like I want the whole MSP to have access to everything in there. And they're either going to share their login details with their whole team and then it becomes hard to use the community or they're just not going to pay and and um, not going to pay for their team to have access and they won't. And so I went, ah, crap, we'll just screw that. We're going to build a, a system so they can add their team. And so with 
with all the team members added as well. I think we're sitting around 11,000 people inside the, the community now, um, 4,300 MSBs and all their teams in them. It's remarkable. So congratulations on on the growth. You know, as I said, and, and again, for listeners listening to this, they're going to be like, this sounds too good to be true. It really isn't. It's one of those <laughs> things, you know, it is an absolute no-brainer. I said, Tetride Comptia, whenever people come into this industry or discover community for the first time, I say, join these organizations because they're a spend, Yeah, just absolutely, you know. A couple uh, of grand a year in the baseline communities around the place. And, yeah. and that's a really good framework and baseline for, for nearly every MSP out there. And then, as, as you, you've probably heard me say, and I've probably said it on your podcast before, is that to me, community and programs and MSP learning and training and education and marketing and all that sort of stuff is an and conversation. It's not an or conversation. You right. shouldn't be, no MSP should be out there and going, I'm just going to pick this one and just learn and do everything that, that they say out there. Because what often happens is um, that I've seen a number of times is that the pick one that doesn't align with the way that you work or that doesn't align with your personality type or your, your local area or your industry or that you serve or whatever it happens to be. And it becomes more of a, 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 a pain point and you don't get anything done because you're trying to follow just one myopic view of how the industry works. Whereas I'm a, like, I'm one of these people that when I want to understand something, I want to go and understand the whole industry as much as I can. I'll go and join a ton of different programs um, and just extract all the, the bits and pieces that are relevant out of each one to me. Um, and in the tech tribe, there's going to be a ton of stuff that some people are going to look at and go, ah, that doesn't make sense to me. But this thing over in CompTIA that I, I learned and saw does make sense to me. So I'm going to go and use that. Um, and that's that's my view on on communities and programs is it's really that and conversation. Go out and get yourself embedded in a few, not every single one. You're probably going overboard if you get embedded into every <laughs> single one. But get in a couple and go out and just just pull the bits and the best bits and pieces out of out of each of them to work with you and that works for you in your business where you are at the moment and your mindset and your personality type and whatever and and grab those bits and pieces that that make sense and are relevant to to your part of it or your phase of the journey that you're on yeah absolutely and for the benefit of listeners we've already mentioned a ton of different great communities out there htg true peer you know there's no competitors it's not a, a zero-sum game this thing is and there's just so much out there so for the benefit of listeners we've put together a list of all of the uh msp peer groups user groups communities that we can find and we'll include those in the show notes but they're across at tublog.co.uk but let's Ooh. rewind a little bit. Uh, you sold your MSP business, as we talked about, 2016, I think it was. Yes. Before you sold, um, did you have any plans to run a community like the Tech Tribe? Where did the genesis 100%. of the Tech Tribe come from? Yeah, 100%. I actually started my first community probably 18, no, even longer. Um, would have been two and a bit years over two years before I, I sold my MSP. I started a community. Um, I had. I had been on the the local board of the SMB IT professionals thing out here, and I was just struggling a little bit with the speed that volunteer-led organizations can move at. Um, don't get me wrong, it's an awesome organization, and they're doing amazing things out here in meetings and, and all sorts of stuff. Uh, but I, I'm a, I like to move in my way fast, and so I kind of struggled a little bit with the speed of things. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to to build my way of doing things into some sort of commercial arrangement where um, it can make sense because we can get paid to do it and I can move at the speed of my brain, not the speed of committees. And, um, and so that, that gave that, I, that gave me the idea to that. And I also saw another, I, I joined this business community um, called super fast business out here in Australia by a guy called James Shramko. And I joined that for some reason, I don't even know where I came across it. And, um, and I joined and went, holy crap, like this is the kind of vehicle that would be awesome in our industry. Like this, this program teaching education plus community all served up into a commercial um, offering out there. 
And so I, I went and um, pulled in a mutual friend of ours, Robert Crane, and um, and said, hey, let's let's go and start something. And we, we ended up starting a community called the Cloud Business Blueprint. And it was right back when the BPOS, the Office 365, I, I don't think it was even still called Office 365 at that stage. I think it was still BPOS at that stage. Yeah, let's explain so, that a minute for the, for the younger <laughs> yeah. listeners. Business Productivity <laughs> Online solution, I think it was. Online suite. Yeah. Online yeah, suite. Oh, my, yeah. my age here as well. Um, <laughs> we sold that for many years before it became Office 365 and then now Microsoft 365. Uh, but we, we were just doing some some training and education around that platform and how to build a business around selling that because it was very, very, very new area at that point in time for MSPs. And, uh, but we we were going down kind of different routes. Robert was awesome at all the technical um, stuff, which I was trying to pull away from with the business. And, um, and I wanted to just do business stuff. So we ended up splitting or closing down Cloud Business Blueprint. He went and started his own um, community called CIA Ops, focusing on Office 365 technical training and education, which is still around to this day. Awesome. And then I went, all right, I've got to go and start my business one that I really want to start just focused on marketing and education and sales and service delivery and all of those those topics that I love so much. And, um, and so I went and kicked it off and called it a stupid name. My it was called mytechnologybusiness.com way back when I kicked it off because I just couldn't come up with a better name. Gotcha. And it kind of plodded along like that for a while um, and um, with a horrible logo, horrible brand, horrible everything, um, wildly embarrassed of it, wondering why the heck I even had clients sign up to this thing. And then I I was, the tech tribe was kind of the community side of that whole business. So the, the URL to log in was some horrible URL of tribe.mytechnologybusiness.com. And um, I always hated it. And then I went, hang on. Like this whole name is horrible. Let's just call ourselves the tech tribe. And that's everything. The whole, the tech tribe is just the, the community, the programs, the training, the education, everything's all in one. Um, get rid of that whole horrible branding and go from there. And that was probably mid to late 2017, I think that we ended up doing that. Um, but when, when I sold my MSP, I was fully committed that that was the next thing I was going to be building. It was, it was eating at me every day, day in, day out. I was, I, I had my MSP to a point where I was, um, I was still required in it. I hadn't got myself completely out of it because we weren't big enough to get me completely out of it. We're only um, 10 or 11 staff at that point in time um, in the business, but I was not involved in the operational day-to-day. I typically have to work five to 10 hours a week in the operational stuff each week, um, which was a vast difference to the 80 hours that I used to work in the the MSP um, when I was early. And I was earning probably five times then what I was earning in those early days when I was working 80 hours a week. Um, Then so, but that gave me that headspace to, to then, want to go and create this other thing. And so it was always itching at me. And then when we went through that process of selling the MSP, um, we weren't actually looking to, to sell at that point in time. A friend of mine and, and I had merged our MSPs together and created a bigger one. And um, and we'd, um, we'd been growing and we'd been looking around at others as potential acquisition targets, like smaller MSPs as acquisition targets, just like one and two human shops. And, um, and we were speaking to one and they said, hey, what, what about you? Do you think you would ever be acquired? Um, or would you like to be acquired? And I went, oh, like, interesting. Um, and yes, if we do, everyone's got a price. And if we did, I'm going to go and and, um, and get acquired well. Like, I'm going, I want it to be done well. And so we we ended up at that point in time having a bit of a chat about it and said, hey, well, at least let's go speak to some brokers. And we spoke to some brokers and um, and that experience was horrible. They they said, yeah, no problems. We'll, we'll go and sell your MSP. And um, this is the type of money you're going to get from it. And we we had good financials and whatnot. Um, and then when I sat down, I went, hang on, they, like, who were they going to sell the MSP to out there? And I started drilling them all on that. And they're all like, oh, we've got this great database of mum and dad pops that are buying Subway franchises and McDonald's franchises and stuff like that. And I'm like, 
you are not going to sell. Like no one's going to buy an MSP that's in your database, or very rare. Um, like, and if so, then I went out and just ran my own campaign for probably a couple of months, where I I ran this anonymous campaign out to three hundred uh, thereabouts um, MSPs in Australia that were all at the top of the game, like people that had won all the industry awards and everything, and um, did this anonymous campaign saying, "Hey." Um, there's an MSP for sale. Are you interested? And we ended up getting a bunch of interest through that and through this whole crazy process, got it down to an awesome offer um, for what we were, we were at the time. And, um, and it, I was just excited at that point in time to go and throw all my energy and effort into creating the tech trouble back then my technology business. Um, and so I, we ended up getting an awesome offer and, and negotiating it. And, um, and I was able to step away from that pretty, pretty fast and dive straight into creating the tech tribe and, and, um, that's where it all kicked off. And then went all in on being able to create that and, um, loved the crap out of it and hated the crap out of the, the, the first years as well. We were trying to figure out how the heck to make money and how to get clients and all that sort of stuff. And, and hated it because I was wildly embarrassed with what we were selling as well. I was out there going, Oh, like it's okay, but it's still crap. Like, um, it needs so much more, but through the journey of, my own inner work over the years and um and just a lot of work from the team as well we've got it to the point where i am i'm actually proud of what we've built now and there is an awesome it is an awesome program and well worth like i'm I'm the first person to tell you when my stuff is not worth money but this is well worth the money now and it's taken me a long time to reconcile that fact to myself uh, but it is now and I'm, I'm proud of where we've got but i'm also excited about all the, the stuff we can keep building in the future yeah. um, we've got loads more on the way now and the vision is just keeps expanding as the the opportunity in front of us expands. I'm going to share an insight. You and I have been friends for a number of years now. And, you know, we, we talk about personal development, mental health, all sorts of things. And I've worked very closely with you for a long period of time. Before I met you, uh, I used to have, uh, and, and many listeners might empathize with this. I used to have a horrible uh, self-depreciating language. I'd say, oh, I'm a lazy person. And and what I actually mean by that, Nigel, is as as we've learned out, you know, I look to do things in the most efficient way. I work smart, not hard and things like that. And so a mentor of mine years ago said to me, Richard, your lazy is other people's highly productive. And I took that mm-hmm. as a compliment and laughed. And I thought, you know, so I changed that language about myself. Uh, when I met you and when I started working with you, my friend, I have never come across anybody who has got such high standards uh so when you said you say things like oh it was crap and i want to get it to you like it was the best in the industry at that time <laughs> and i know you're probably going to disagree with me because you saw the vision for where you wanted it to go yeah, true. and to be but holy crap when i started working with you i've never come across somebody who's worked so hard never come across somebody who's got such high standards so you you love this stuff you throw yourself into it and i think the results are there for everybody to see but for and I think listeners Thank might you. hear you and I get together in a room. We talk really fast. We run uh, synapses are flying, uh, fry, you know, burning out. You know, running through ideas, going through things really, really quickly. But for the benefit of listeners, what advice would you give to listeners on running a successful six, seven, eight-figure IT business and MSP without having to work like a dog for 50, 60, 70 plus hours a week? Yeah, good and big question. Um, for context, I've never run an eight-figure business, so I can't comment on the eight-figure level. But we're we're multi, multi, multi seven figures in the current business, and um, and it's um, <laughs> like it's a crazy journey as you go through that, right? Like it's very challenging, and there's loads of different things that you should be working on to get to that level, and it, it all comes down to 
a lot of it comes down to where you are right now and what's your biggest challenge in front of you. But one of the one of the things I, I think I probably learned the concept from Dan Sullivan, I, I think, who's a, mm. a an awesome coach that runs um what's his business? Strategic coach out there. Strategic he coach, runs, yeah. I've got yeah, a number of his coach. books sitting there. Uh, oh, yeah, he's an awesome speak, yeah. Awesome dude who's got these great concepts around just how to think about business and whatnot. And I've learned a bunch of different concepts from him. And one of them is always that whole um that whole notion of business and and what's going on in your business is always constrained by one thing. There's always one constraint point in your business, be it your your marketing engine or be it the your service delivery speed of execution or whatever it happens to be. There's always one constraint point. And so I've over the many years I've I've focused lots and lots and lots and lots of my time on finding and figuring out what that one constraint point in my business is and fixing it. So that then I kind of open up the pipe and more stuff starts flowing through. And then I figure out where in our business is that pipe constrained again so that water's only flowing through that pipe in a in a smaller level at that that point in the pipe and i then go and try and figure out how we can expand that bit as well and so part of it is that is just um it's just a continual focus on the things that are the most highest priority that's dare i say i pardon the language but bloody hard though sometimes when there's a million different different priorities coming our way and we're in a phase in the tech tribe at the moment where there is a million different important priorities coming our way and we're getting hit with loads of different things and we're we're doing we're trying our hardest to prioritize the right things to work on but the other thing that i think that it's just if i look back now in retrospect it certainly wasn't planned but in retrospect when i look back now um one of the keys to to the success that we've had it's just a dogged determination to just get up each day and just do the work. Like just get in and do the damn work. And um, and I've had to kick my myself in the butt many, many times to to do the work sometimes. Like sometimes you're just there going, ah, I don't want to do this. And I'm going to get over here and read this thing or take this course or whatever. And a lot of the time, those things are just excuses for for us or, or distractions from the work that we should be doing. And so I've, I've just made it not a habit, but more a, a personality, a type of my personality, a part of my personality where I just do the work that's got to be done. I do my hardest to do the most important work all the time that's got to be done. I just get in there day in and day out and get that work done. And um, and obviously a big part of it as well, when you get to certain size and there is team, is then focusing on building team around you and not not just a, like un, above you really. Like to me, the CEO's role as you grow a bigger business is sitting underneath everybody and there to, to serve and support the team that sits above them, um, not the other way around like a traditional org chart where everybody's underneath the CEO. And so I think the last couple of years is in my business and even in my MSP, the last couple of years in that was me going through that transition of the technician-led business owner who's doing all the work to the CEO who's hiring the people that are doing the work in there and giving them the best chance to do their best work and giving them the right frameworks to do their best work in there. And and I've been through that journey in my MSP and I'm in that journey in in the tech tribe as well. It's just a different set of challenges as you go through that phase in in different businesses. I'm getting through it faster in the tech tribe and I got through it faster in the tech tribe than I did in my MSP because I learned lots of lessons from the MSP side of things. But it always exists. And it's, um, and it's like, as I said, that team is such an important part of um, as getting there. It's just focusing on them, making sure that they've got the right, the, the right, everything they, they have to succeed starting right at the very beginning with their job descriptions. Like it really starts with their job descriptions. What, what do, what are you putting in there and what are the outcomes, not just the tasks they've got to do, but what are the outcomes that they need to achieve in, in what their job is? And then working back from there and, um, and figuring out how all the pieces work from there. Yeah, there's a few ways. There's a million other different things that, to me, there's no, there's no one or two things that stand out from the crowd as these were the things that that, that are successful in business. It's a lot of different things. Doing them consistently, doing them well, and um, and 
and doing them over long periods of time, like that compounding effect of all the work adds up over time as well. Um, but at its core, everything that I've always done has always been to at that the service of creating a product that's so darn valuable that our customers can't help but tell their friends about us. And the whole lot links back to that. Everything we try and do is its service of that, of, of trying to make our MSPs thrive, which is our mission. And, um, and if you bring it all back to what your mission is, then, then it helps you have that kind of that focus on what you really should be focusing on at each point in time. And, and sometimes when we get distracted by the latest PSA or RMM tools and all that sort of stuff, we can come back to that, that North star of, Hey, what really is our mission here? Is it to, to try and improve our PSA by swapping from one to the other um, and maybe getting a, a 2% increase in, in efficiency, or is it spending that time figuring out how our clients can get a 20% increase in their efficiency out there. And then in turn are going to start talking more and more about us. And often the answer is the second one in there, but often us in the MSP, when we've got our MSP hats on, we go for the first option in there because it's the, the easier, faster, um, simpler, not challenging option for us all in there. Yeah. Great advice. And let, let's continue to pull the curtain back a little bit. Let's give listeners a peek Uh-oh. behind the scenes. Oh, <laughs> Apart from yourself then, who goes, who, who's in Team Tribe at the moment? Who makes up Team Tribe? Good question. We um we just had a, our first ever uh, team retreat over in Kuala Lumpur three or four weeks ago. Um, I flew the whole team across to Kuala Lumpur and we all hung out. There was 11 of us there. Um, and it was, we're, we're, what are we, five or six, six full-timers and five part-timers in the business. And um, we've got people, like, the, the first person, the, the person that's been with us the longest is our, our legendary Fatima, who yeah. runs behind the scenes. You, you don't see her in the community or very rarely doing anything because she's behind the scenes, just making sure everything's happening. All our admin is looked after and my email crazy inboxes looked after and calendaring and all that sort of stuff is looked after. Um, and then we've got a, a bunch of other people um, in there that do all sorts of different things. We've got a couple of developers on the team um, that look after the crazy and wrangle the crazy platform that we've got. Um, we've got a couple of help desk people that that deal with all our globally, like that sales and marketing automation platform questions. We get, um, I'm going to say 10 to 20, maybe some days 30 help desk tickets a day um, from people just wanting to use different things or struggling with how to figure out how to do this or whatever it happens to be. So we've got our help desk people that, that deal with all that. Um, we've got some people that help us out with, like, we've got our tech people that help out. Like I finally took my hands off the tech tools to deal with our own platform stuff. Uh, that We've got a, an awesome dude, Vinit, who looks after all of our, our platform and hosting infrastructure and all the security and everything with that. And then we've got Dan, who who looks after all our own internal IT um, from an MSP perspective. Um, so I finally took my hands out of out of those fingers or took my fingers out of those pies as well. We've got some accounts help in there, of course. And then we've got a, just a bunch of, a bunch of contractors that just do different different bits and pieces. We've got people like Mark Copeman who does website reviews for each each month. We've got yeah, we've got a few. We've got a bunch of different people around the place that, that help out in in different ways, shapes, and forms. Marketing people that can help out with some marketing. Um, we've got Andrea on the team who recently joined us, who's helping out. Her she's in the role of head of member success, and her whole um, goal and outcome of her work is to help our members grow their businesses. She comes from a background of MSP marketing and, and knows a lot about that. And the last six months, she's been kind of, she's today was a six month review, funnily enough. And, um, and she's been spending the last six months just trying to get a lay of the land and work out how everything works and, and work on some things. And we've, we've gone through an incredible amount of backend stuff um, in that last six months, getting her up to speed and whatnot. And now I'm excited for the next year of the work that she's going to be working on, which is going to be helping our members grow their MSPs, like dealing with that biggest challenge that we've got out there. 
um, or that MSPs have out there. So, so it seems um, pretty much that um, yeah. a bunch of people all around the world. You've built just this in- incredible uh, team as well. And again, I speak from experience, having been been a part of uh, a team tribe in in the past before I stepped away to to focus on my own business and stuff. But what would you say is the secret to building a great team culture as you clearly have within team tribe? So tell us the MSPs listening, how would you build? I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah, still learning. you and me, you and me both, but you have learned a lot. Some of the things that, that that I always default to are things like transparency and and trust, and they might sound like very vague, up in the sky kind of airy fairy things. But I work incredibly, incredibly hard to to be very transparent with my team and very um, and trying to my hardest to make sure that they can trust me to to be there to look out for them, to tell them how it is, to to give them the right stuff they need and and whatnot, um, and then giving them. Spending time with them, I spend time with all of my team all the time, very regularly. Even though we're a remote team with time zones all around the world, which drives me badonkadonk with trying to get on team calls and whatnot. Um, I still spend an incredible amount of time each week with my team, just helping them whenever they need help doing something and making sure that that they've got access to everything they need to be able to be happy in their role and successful in their role. Um, it, to me, I don't want anybody ever working for me that doesn't doesn't enjoy what they do. Like we're we're in a society where where a job is is very important to pretty much 99.9% of society out there um, to be able to survive in, in our economy. And so I, I want to be able to have my business as a place where people can turn up and they enjoy going to their job. There's probably 80 or 90% of people in the world that don't enjoy going to the job that they have to go to every day. And I don't want that to be in our business. So I try my hardest to to make it so that it's it's fun. And we're a business and we've got clients. We've got lots of clients. And that means that that sometimes it can be stressful and sometimes we break things and sometimes people get angry at us and we have all of those things in our business. Um, we're not immune to it. And uh, we have people that that want to abuse us and we have people that do all sorts of stuff. But I try to make the the culture and the environment is that, um, hey, it's going to happen to us. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have people annoyed with us. And and let's like at least we, we've got each other to, to hang out and support each other as we go through those those crazy times. Um, we can laugh about the crazy situations and we can we can know that if we're going to make a mistake, the, the company's like, I'm not going to get on the phone screaming down the, the Zoom microphone at them like, why, because they made a mistake. Like we all make mistakes, me probably the most of all, because I do a lot of things. And and our culture is very built around, hey, make a mistake once, no problem. So every time we make a mistake, the first time it's a lesson for us. And we we then try to codify those lessons into SOPs in our business so that we don't make the same mistake a second time. Um, because the, the ruling in the business is you make a mistake once, it's a lesson. You make the mistake twice and it's a choice. And choices are the things that have consequences in there. And luckily, we've, it's very, very, very rare that we'll make the same mistake twice in the business. We're, we're pretty good at figuring out what the root cause was at a mistake and um, and coming up with either an SOP or fixing something or, or doing something to make sure that we don't make that mistake again in the future. Um, uh, just because it's not fun making the same mistake twice either, right? Like it's pretty demoralizing if you're out there making the same mistake all the time because as a business, we're not learning it. So we, we try to work hard at, at learning from our mistakes and and getting better at things and um, and experimenting and trying different things and seeing what works and what doesn't. We've got a bit of a culture of experimentation in a lot of things of just trying something out and having some variables to figure out whether that was successful or whether it was not. And, and if it's not, then no point continuing down that route with that thing. Let's move across our energy to something else. Because yeah. um, I think our, our whole team is um, we're 
we're still in the process of it, just building this engine and this this team of people. This whole purpose is whatever we do is to help MSPs better grow and run their business. And um, and whatever that might be is just going to be built on the experiments that we run internally and the the pain points that we hear from our members. And um, and we're we're kind of lucky with our product research in that um, a lot of companies have to go out to their clients and do like market research and all this sort of stuff. Whereas our market research is inside our product. We've got a community where people are sharing their pain points every day, and so we we get this insight into what's what the the pain points of the industry really are and how we can help solve them better and. And and my challenge as a CEO is to build an engine of people that can continually find those those pain points and solve them. And that's the the phase that we're going through at the moment is me learning how to build a, a team of people, not just me, a team of people that can continually create more and, and build more and, and give more to our members to, to help them do what they need to do and get over those pain points and wake up each day a little bit happier than the day before because we've made their day a little bit easier for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, that's it. Not much. There's nothing special in there again. Like it's just getting in each day and doing the work and having fun along the way and and um and trying to maintain some sense of normalcy in a crazy crazy world out there. Gold, golden advice, you know, and I think listeners will will take an awful lot there. So you know, Nigel and I uh, speak very fast. We go through a lot of things. So you know, I would encourage you to go back and listen to this interview again because this man gives so many value bombs that and he's very very humble about it and he won't but he, he you know he won't blow his own trumpet but i have learned more from this man about running a business than than few others in our industry uh, especially when it comes to building a team and a remote team and the culture there so uh, thank you let's talk about difficult conversations for a moment so you and I, I think it's fair to say, have both got a good, a good-sized ego, as so many people <laughs> in this industry have. When we were working together, obviously there was there was occasions, even though I would consider you very close friend and uh, hopefully vice versa. But we've we've Not clashed really. before on we've clashed before on things as friends. But yeah, because of, of our friendship, we had difficult conversations. And one of the things I learned from you was about having difficult conversations, about being upfront and honest, about um, you know uh, transparency. How do you tackle or how, let me rephrase that, for the benefit of our listeners, many of whom uh, are techie geeks like us, and that means they might be slightly more conservative and not like conflict. I'm certainly like that. I think you, you're probably uh, the same as well 100%. as a personality. Yeah. How do you tackle difficult conversations? That's a deep question. Um, and it's something that I am always trying to work on to get better on because I'm, I've got this belief that I've, I've, I was not born with this belief. I've, I've learned it over the years that, um, that the power or not, it's not even a belief. It's my, my kind of a, the way I see the world to be true now is that, that there is so much power in professional discourse of differing opinions out there in, in being able to, to do and create good things. And I've, in the early years, like in, in my, when I say the early years, probably in the first decade of me being in business, I did every single possible thing I ever could in the history of the world to avoid conflict. I just thought <laughs> conflict was bad. Conflict equals bad. Until I realized that conflict can equal good if it's got the right space and the trust and the the respect amongst the people that are having the conflict to be able to discuss things appropriately to, to perhaps see if one person can shift their mindset to the other side or the ones, the other side can shift their mindset to the other side, or they can find a spot to meet in the middle. And, um, and so over the years, um, even in my MSP, I, I remember going through this, this change where, or this challenge where, um, that at one particular point, I, we, we had some staff issues going on in the business and they were, they were blowing up in conflict. And I could have, 
Like I, all I wanted to do was just sit back and go, oh, I don't want to deal with this, this issue. But I knew that the only way to get through it was to to bring it to a point and, and get them together in a room. And I got the team together in a room and, and let everybody have it out in a safe space where I was there to pull them in when they were getting personal with things. And, um, and out of those, those, there was a couple of times when those situations happened, but out of them, um, great relationships were formed between the people that were having the conflict. And that's when I, when I first saw that conflict can be a very, very, very powerful thing when you have got the space and the, the people around you to move through it professionally and not turn it personal. The, the minute things turn personal is horrible, but the minute you can say, Hey, this like you can dive into a, a tough situation or a tough scenario and, and look at it from a facts and figures perspective and not bring emotion into it is really the state that you can get into the, the you can, the, that a, a business is in a high functioning state then when they can um, talk about the bad stuff comfortably and respectfully and honestly, and, and with full trust of each other, knowing that they're not going to, it's not going to turn into a personal attack or an ego war or whatever it happens to be. And, um, and so I, I was lucky that I learned, I don't even know where I learned it from, but many years ago of the power of that. And I, I try my hardest to, when, when something needs to be talked about, I try my hardest nowadays to bring it up in as safe a way as possible so that the conversation can be had. The, and that, that even extends inside our tech tribe community. You've, you've, um, you know, I think you mentioned that that um, event, like we allow vendors inside our community. Uh, so we've got MSPs inside the community and we allow vendors inside the community. And I've been kicked up the butt a couple of times over that over the years of, hey, a community should only be an MSP community. And um, and my philosophy on that is that we're an, an industry made up of vendors and MSPs in there. We're not an industry made up of just the MSPs or just the vendors. We both need to exist in, in unison. And having been on both sides of the equation, I understand how each side is so darn important. And so the Tech Tribe is a, a, a vendor and MSP community because we're an MSP community, an industry community. We're there to serve the industry as a whole. And the industry as a whole will not get better if if MSPs and, and, and vendors are fighting each other and going head to head all the time. They need to learn to get along. And so we work hard and we get kicked up the butt a fair bit. Um, of, of how to make the tech tribe community be a safe space where vendors and MSPs can both hang out in the same space. And some vendors abuse abuse it and it, it becomes hard on us to try and moderate around that stuff and try and find the right guidelines for how much conversation vendors can have in the community without turning it into a pitch zone. Um, but uh, to me, it's wildly important that we do have that space where professional discourse between MSPs and vendors can happen because that's where growth happens. Growth happens when someone brings up a tough topic and someone else knows that they're in a safe space to be able to respond appropriately rather than feeling attacked. And um, and that's that's been a big part of of why I've positioned the the community like that is to for the industry to have a, a space where MSPs and vendors can hang out in a space where the vendors aren't going to be vendor. What's the the term that the industry uses? Vendor bashed out there. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've got some pretty strict rules around vendor bashing and, um, but that's not to say an MSP can't share their experiences and their bad experiences in there in the, in the right way. And the vendors have got the, the, the space to be able to go back and, and respond if they need to, or learn from the, the interaction and, and whatnot in there as well. Uh, yeah. But I think that that whole professional discourse and, um, polite discourse and respectful discourse and, and conflict resolution and conflict discussion, all of that stuff is, is the better you get at it the better you, you you grow in business and the better your teamwork in business and the better you, you're able to lead people and the better you're able to talk to your clients and the better you're able to do everything in business. And, and I'm still on my own journey of getting my way through it. I'm sure I've got another few decades of growth in front of me as to, to how I deal with it, but I'm far better than who I was 
15 years ago dealing with with conflict and and discourse and I'm I'm still improving like I I plan to improve for the next 50 years in that yeah. space. Well, I'm, I'm a far better person for having those type of conversations with you and learning from you. So thank you as a friend. I'll throw that out yes. there. And I think our listeners will benefit from um, from what you've just shared as well. I want to can stay on fight now? Say again, sorry? Can we have a fight now? <laughs> we can have a fight now. <laughs> Will it involve gin and tonic? I've seen what oh, you yeah, like probably gin and tonic. So, yeah. yeah, no, I'm never drinking again. <laughs> just ask Carl Palachuk about that one. <laughs> I want to stay on the subject of the, the the vendor thing just for a minute. So we, yes. we've already said, of course, the you know uh, the tech tribe is vendor neutral, uh, but vendors are very welcome. You've explained how that works. You know, people uh, vendors can come into the community. Uh, of course, vendors are a part of the community, uh, and you and I have talked about this, uh, you know, lots and lots of times. I th- I would go as far as to say the thing that you and I have been attacked on the most within the managed service industry is this firm belief that you and I share that vendors and MSPs have got to work together. There is no divide between them. They've got to work in collaboration. And that's the way businesses grow. Vendors are not the enemy. And lots of people have quite violently you know, disagreed with that and said, no, yeah, vendors yeah. are out to screw MSPs. Yeah, that's yeah. not the case. Anyway, we'll put that to one side for a minute. You've brought vendors into the tribe. They don't pitch. They, you know, uh, we've talked about professional Mostly. discourse for the most part. Yes. <laughs> um but a lot of vendors can be super competitive. So how yeah. do you manage a situation when somebody within the tribe says or does something that a vendor might take offense to? Yeah, good question. We've we've had a couple of experiences over the years where um where something similar to that has happened, where a disgruntled MSP has shared their bad experience about a vendor inside the tribe. And we've had vendors come to us, even throwing around the legal, legal thing saying cease, desist, like that, that can't, like they've got to remove their, their comments, et cetera, et cetera. And my response every time has been, um, no, that's a, a legitimate customer that's having a legitimate problem. You get the choice to respond in there and we will back, like we're, we're providing this space where you can respond appropriately and, and, that just is going to show to the industry how you respond in times like this. And you're either going to um, respond horribly or not at all. And that's going to show the industry exactly how you deal with situations like this, or you're going to respond and treat the person who's having this experience with you, whether the experience is right or not with respect and, and figure out where the, the, the issues lie and whatnot. And, um, and we're lucky in all, but one that I can remember of situations where we did have that, where, where people are kind of called a vendor out and, and the vendor was disgruntled. They've come around in there and, and figured out a way to deal with it. And, um, and to me, that's what it's about. Like, and I get it coming from a vendor's perspective. Um, if you're not used to being in a space where, um, and if you're used to being on some of those other platforms we, we spoke about before, where vendors are not going to be backed up at all, nor will MSPs to that matter, um, and they're just going to be vendor bashed and berated in there, then they're kind of used to that being the norm. And, and when you come into ours, that's not going to be the norm. Sure, someone can share an experience, but you can't go in there and unnecessarily bash a vendor and say, hey, this vendor X, Y, and Z is crap with no extra explanation. That's just like, we've had a couple of those posts happen over the years and our standard rule was we just hide it. We say, we, we moderate it. We put a note in there saying this post was hidden because it just provided no value to the conversation. You're vendor bashing. If you want to do that, go somewhere else and do it. Or if you want to add to this conversation, bring something legitimate to add to the conversation, be it uh, some help to the conversation or some some story that you want to share or perhaps some advice to that particular vendor of how they can go and solve whatever challenge that made you not enjoy working with them at the moment. But don't bring that whole just crap of vendor A is crap and that's it in there. 
yes, there is vendors in our industry. We all know that um, their intentions can be questioned, and we know that they they often there's some out there that don't have the 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 MSP really at their their thing, and they're often bigger ones. They've got probably private equity breathing down their necks and whatnot. Um, and they've they've got whatever the CEOs that the, the private equity is putting in that's running the play. And sure, there's vendors out there that are doing the industry a disservice to a degree, but there's still even ways to deal with that in respectful ways. And um, and so I think whenever we spot stuff, our our goal is always to just try our hardest. And we're lucky it doesn't happen too much, but our our goal is to try our hardest to make sure that any conversation that's rough and potentially negative does happen, but in a place where it's 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 got some some boundaries around how to happen. And it just doesn't turn into a crazy flaming war um, like some of those other things do. And yeah. as I said, I think a, like, as we spoke about at the beginning, a, a big part of that just comes from the community being a pay to pay, pay to play place in that people turn up on a little bit better behavior when they're paying for a product than they do when it's, when it's free out there. Um, and that just, that tends to show up in there, which is awesome. Yeah. Well, I think I think you balance a really good line uh, between, you know, that vendor neutral focus that you've got there, allowing MSPs to have their community and speak, but realizing that vendors are a part of this ecosystem. They are a part of this community. They're a big, important part, and they've got a lot of value to give. So uh, thank you for the work that you do uh, to encourage. Let's finish the vendor conversation with on a, on a real positive note as well. Uh Take your Tech Tribe baseball cap off for a minute, Nigel. I'm speaking to you not as the illustrious leader of the Tech Tribe, but as an industry expert. I know you are a student of the managed service game as well. Who are some of the vendors that you think MSPs should keep an eye on in 2024 and beyond? Who are vendors that you think have got an awesome product or uh, an awesome culture within their business? Yeah, great question. Um, But... I'm going to answer that with it's hard for me to pick specific vendors and more probably to say categories to keep an eye on because for, for me with with vendors and this is my stance with vendors all the time as as I know that when I like the position that I sit in um my my voice can often hold a lot of weight as to what people listen to and I don't want to I, I also know that the, the stance that we've always had with vendors is that one person's favorite vendor is always another person's most hated vendor in there as well, um, for whatever reasons that's irrespective of the, the quality the vendor provides. And that even comes down to us. Like I'm sure that there's tons of people that love the tech tribe, but there's also a bunch of people out there that absolutely hate the tech tribe for whatever reason. And so I try to like, uh, it's hard for me to, to point to specific vendors, but some of the, the, the categories that I will point at is um, that vendors or that the MSP should absolutely be keeping an eye on is um is number one customer experience category, like the that CX category that's that's got a couple of awesome players in it. Um, that are that's focusing less on ticket management and all of that sort of stuff and focusing more on crafting an amazing experience for the end users of the MSP in there and bringing all of the the experience to a, a much, much, much higher level than than phone and email-based tickets in there. So that whole customer experience category is one I would be absolutely making sure I got my eyes on. Obviously, it goes without saying AI and, and any of the vendors that are and categories that are focusing on AI. There's obviously vendors that are pulling it in as features of their product, like the PSA tools are coming in with ways to figure out how to um, they're like going through all the history of tickets to figure out how to close certain tickets and whatnot. And there's all of that sort of AI features, but there's also a category of AI-based tools that are coming out into the market now in for MSPs. In there, which are very, very worth keeping an eye on. I'm not even going to mention the cybersecurity category because that whole category needs to keep an eye on <laughs> no matter what. Um, and um, obviously the, the cybersecurity one's got that ancillary one of um, of uh, like education, like cybersecurity education and end user training in there, which really there's a, there's, 
that 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 segment now has a great bunch of MSPs, sorry, vendors providing amazing solutions for MSPs. It's matured a heck of a lot in the past few years to a really good point at the moment. Um, some other ones that are vendor that MSPs need to be keeping a close kind of side eye on at the moment, or, or even a a primary eye on if you're in that space is the compliance based vendors out there now that are yep. that are helping with compliance, um, whether it's compliance as a service or whatever, or tackling it on to to whatever. Um, offering you've got out there. Compliance is becoming more and more and more a norm all around the world. And as regulations start to come into jurisdictions, especially like the US, which is really starting to bring some some um, regulation around MSP offerings, compliance, not only at the MSP level, but also at the client level is going to become more and more and more and more and more of a, a, um, a need out there for MSPs to have something in their arsenal around that stuff. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some of the ones that I'd definitely be keeping an eye on, like customer experience stuff. And then the... Like I'm biased in saying this one, but the growth stuff, like it's it's um, the MSP industry has not stopped growing, and there's more MSPs turning up every day, and there still always is, and um, and there is awesome mature MSPs that exist in the marketplace that have been going 30, 40 years that have matured to amazingly mature spots, but there's still every single day new MSPs getting started as well, and so that means that that every MSP out there really, really, really does need to be focusing on how to grow their business, and that means figuring out what marketing and growth and, and, and sales vendors exist in the industry and, and aligning with some of them, whether that's doing some of the stuff from the tech tribe or any of the other vendors out there that are doing growth stuff, but really making sure that you've, you've got something in there to not just rely on referrals in there because referrals are, I'm seeing it everywhere all around the world is referrals are nowhere near at the level that they ever used to be across many different industries out there. People are so darn busy with their own world um, in these past few years and their own fears and insecurities and craziness in their own businesses that referring another person's business just goes is going even further and further and further down the rung um, in there. And so I'm seeing referrals as they're still the number one lead source for MSPs, but they're they're not getting they're nowhere near as common as what they they were five years ago and 10 years ago and 15 years ago in the space. And so I think the a big category for every MSP to focus on here is what 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 ways or what vendors or what about how am I going to align with some growth related stuff as well so that I, I do have lead sources of other than than my referrals at the moment yeah masterfully answered there let me uh, with your tech mention a on, single vendor's name <laughs> no no and, and you were very right to answer it in that way you are a consumer professional with your techie hat on for a minute so yep. are you Android or iOS 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 you're iOS, iOS, iOS. What's on your smartphone or what apps are on your uh, Mac, uh, MacBook or whatever it might be? I mean, what, what's the thing, the tech that's really excited you lately and made a bif- big difference to your working day? My, it's probably not working life, but my, you know, you know, you and I, or you know me well enough to know that I, I also have this crazy addiction to all things personal health related and and my own health journey. And so, so I love geeking out and that is not on Active Directory new functions and functionality, but just different ways I can interact with my own biology and human body, like the systems that I can interact with in my own self. And so one of my, my favorite tools lately um, is my, you, you also know that I've got a horrible addiction to all things sweet. And so my, which is not good for, for our health, of course. And, and I've got some diabetes history in the family. And so my favorite thing lately is my, my, um, my continuous glucose monitor on CGM. the back of my arm that I, yeah. that I check in my CGM that I'm checking in and, seeing keeping in control of my my um what i'm eating and my nutrition and whatnot and so i, I kind of geeking out on a lot of that stuff lately unless 
productivity-based things and, and whatnot. Um, in terms of the tool that I use the most in our business in terms of productivity, it is ClickUp. We we love and use ClickUp. Um, they're not an MSP vendor. They're just a generic vendor in the industry or in the productivity industry that helps out with project management and stuff like that. And I use that on my phone and and on my computer and I hang out probably the most in that tool above all other tools out there. And we've my whole team hangs out in there every day. We're in ClickUp doing our work and working on tasks and whatnot. Yeah. But in terms of techie geeky stuff, it's probably the health related stuff that I, I love the most. And I'm, I'm, I'm geeking out on more than technology based stuff nowadays. And you and I could probably do a whole podcast about biohacking. And yep. like you're a real student of that game. The CGM, the continuous glucose based monitor. So here in the UK, and I think it's going international, US, maybe Australia as well. Um, there's a company called Zoe Health. And so I invested in that company really early on. And I got my CGM, continuous glucose monitor, which for the benefit of listeners, if you're not come across, it, traditionally, it's been for people with a history of diabetes or with a diabetic condition. Uh, but nowadays, uh, like you can actually get them, it, you know, it goes into your arm, it sits there and it monitors via Bluetooth uh, for, I think, probably for a couple of, no, it can go up to maybe a month, two weeks to a month at a time, can't it? Um, Mine's 14 you know, days, the model Yeah, 14 days, mm -hmm. your uh, blood glucose, your blood levels, you know, all of those sort of things and that. So I've been using one via Zoe as well, and it's really revealed a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, <laughs> you and I were texting, and I was saying, like, I used to eat porridge oats, uh, yeah, yeah. With a banana and was like, oh, no, 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 no. That really spikes. Well, you see the insulin spike things. that does to you. Yeah. So we could do we could do a whole episode maybe about biohacking course, yeah. and stuff yeah, in yeah. the future. If there's, uh, the managed services of the body, the proactive. If there's, a, if there's enough interest from our listeners, we'll get Nigel and I and we will just waffle on about all that oh, sort of Don't get me started on that topic. I can go <laughs> deeper on that one nowadays than I can on MSP stuff, I think. Um, yeah, you would be both. On the subject, though, of personal development growth, you know, you've shared with the business community some of the big challenges that you faced back in the day with your mental health. You've talked openly about alcohol, substance abuse, you know, that type of thing back in the day. I never knew that, Nigel. Uh, you know, I was never friends with him back then when when that Nigel was around. Rocky. <laughs> so I find it actually quite hard as a friend, I'll tell you, to reconcile with the man I now know. I think it speaks really highly to your personal growth, you know, you, you're taking ownership and that. But for the benefit of listeners, can you give us some background, you know, to Nigel back in the day as a managed service provider? And also tell me, was there a turning point for you where you just said, this has got to stop and I've got to go in a different direction? Yeah, for sure. I went through, a, I think we all do. And I'm, so I'm not going to single myself out as being a woe is me kind of thing, but I, I went through my own version of of hell um, and it was hell, hell relatively to me. And and it was in the it was probably in the late two thousands. Um, I don't know if it stretched into the early two thousand and tens time, but it was it's kind of after I'd been working for another guy for many many years that was an abusive relationship um, in there, and I came out with all sorts of um, crazy beliefs about myself and all sorts of stuff. And I came out of that into then having to try and build and run my own MSP because it was really my only option. And I struggled for years and years and years in that that process, and that kind of led me on this crazy downward spiral where I was drinking like every single day, like lots to the point where I was drunk every single day. And um, then it started to career into even more stuff. You mentioned substance abuse and we would be going out on weekends. Just my whole thing was I just had to spend every waking moment that I could when I wasn't sat at my desk 
escaping the reality of sitting at my desk of the next time I was sitting at my desk. And so that went into crazy things, right? I even ended up on hospital beds, um, overdosing twice. Um, and just all trying to escape that crazy reality that I was in. And, um, and there was a few different things that, that kind of pulled me out of that one is when as I met my wife and it was kind of told Nigel time to, to stop being stupid here. Like you're going down some horrible routes. Another one is, um, I, we had like through our teens and um and early 20s my brother and i my my the brother that's just below me and i had this really close friend that was called we used to call him our brother from another mother and um and he had his own challenges and his own background challenges and whatnot as well but we were very very close we'd hang out every single night and we'd drive around and we'd listen to Tupac pumping in the car and do stupid stuff that nowadays you'd be surprised we didn't go to jail and um but we were very very close and and he went through a horrible time and ended up taking his own life at the end of it and, um, and so that kind of was also, a, a, I looked at that and whilst I, I wasn't at that point in my journey, um, I was having horrible thoughts that were similar to that in my journey. I was driving, like I'd be driving home from clients at nighttime and I'd be looking at str- like the, the headlights of cars coming in the opposite direction to me. I know I've shared this story with you before. Um, and I'd be looking at the headlights of cars coming in the opposite direction to me. And I'd be secretly hoping and, and like calling out in my mind to the, the owners of these cars of, Hey driver, can you please just drive onto my side of the road and and smash into my car and send me to hospital so that I don't have to go to work the next day or deal with my life the next day. Um, I don't want to die, but I'm happy for you to make me hooked up to drips and whatever so that I, I just don't have to deal with this stuff. And and I, like they're the thought, sort of thoughts that I'm I'm having at the same time or around the same time where my friend ended up ended up taking his own life. And and all of that was kind of a a, a concoctiony of all things of like, Nigel, you've got to make some changes here. You're going down a, a crap route. Um, I ended up going to the doctor because I was just, I couldn't shake these bad feelings every single day. Um, I'd wake up in the morning with these horrible thoughts that I was also hung over because I was drunk every single day um, or every single night. And, um, and he goes, oh yeah, depression and hands you the depression pill. And, um, and I remember taking it the first night thinking this is going to be awesome, change everything, fix everything. I remember sitting there lying in bed and feeling the rush of this, this feeling coming on and going, oh man, I don't want this. Like This is not it either. Um, I just want to go back to when life was peaceful and I, I didn't, I, I wasn't like that. And so I, I ended up throwing the packet in the bin and, um, and slowly I didn't, I didn't go cold Turkey on the alcohol overnight or anything like that. Like I just slowly cut down on things and, um, and, and the, the, the substance abuse, the, the party drugs or whatever you want to call them was, um, they, they kind of got cut to the side once I had the, the bad experiences that ended up in hospital with them. Um, but the, the drinking still continued, but I slowly was able to get that down to a point where one day I, like when I gave up, believe it or not, I was also a smoker when I was in my younger years, like that 18, when we're driving around listening to Tupac, we all smoked cigarettes because we thought it was cool. And with cigarettes, I didn't go cold Turkey overnight. I went from eight milligrams to four milligrams to two milligrams to one milligrams to eventually then I, I, I stopped it. And the same thing happened with my alcohol usage. I didn't stop it overnight. I went from getting wildly drunk every night to, or drunk to the point where like, I, I couldn't see properly every single night um, to just slowly reducing it down to the point where then I went, hang on, maybe today I don't need that glass of wine. And I, I, I had a day where I didn't have a glass of wine for, for one day. And, um, and that was awesome. That kind of kicked it off. And I think I probably had one the next day or whatever. I don't remember now because it's 15, 16 years ago, um, 14 years ago, whatever it happens to be. Um, but I got to that point where nowadays I'll be lucky if I have five drinks a year nowadays and I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life um, in terms of my mental headspace and, um, and whatnot. And I look back at that time now 
And I, I do not recognize the Nigel that existed at that point in time, like a completely different human to who I am today. And, and, but I'm damn grateful that that Nigel went through all that crap because he wouldn't have made the decisions that, that led me to being able to do what I do today in there. And he pulled me out of that crap. Not me today. I didn't pull myself out of it. Like he pulled himself out of it. And so I got a, an immense amount of gratitude for going through that, that horrible time. Um, and, and a part of what we do in the tech tribe is, is, or the, a part of the reason that I do the tech tribe and not some other business that I could probably make twice or three times the amount of money in is that, that. I know that so much of our industry does battle with with mental health challenges. It's a rough, tough industry out there, and um, and if we can help one person get through their 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 challenging time a little bit better and a little bit happier, we've won, right? And and the reality is that we've helped lots and lots of people get through their days a little bit better um, by by giving them that space and the support and whatever it happens to be around them um, to be able to go through it. And I. I'm lucky that I went through it because I can now share my experiences of going through it. And uh, and I know there's people that have gone through it 10 times worse than what I've gone through. And there's people that are going through it 10 times easier than what I'm going through. It's all relative to our own journey. It's not, you can't compare yourself to, to other people out there. It's just got to compare our our version of hell to where we were and where we're going and and do what we can to to move out of it. And um and yeah, so that's a bit of the insight into the craziness of of my journey. And, um, but as I said, we've all got our own story there. Every one of us does. I know you do have your own story there. That's, that's, that's that's as deep and as crazy and horrible and sad and, and full of gratitude and, and inspiration all at the same time in there. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing my friend. Appreciate that. And I know, you know, listeners, we will say openly, if you are going through something at the moment, whatever it might be, don't diminish it. You know, uh, it, yeah. it's your experience. It's all relative for everyone. But just realize you are not alone. Now, I, you know, when I say you are not alone, you are absolutely not. Some of the work that you do within the Tech Drive, Nigel, um, you and I uh, have spoken to people within the industry who, at the end of their tether, you know, in a really yeah, bad place. And, you know, yeah. uh, um, the tribe as a community and yourself personally, you've gone out of your way to help them. I, I will speak again openly here. I've been fairly open about my uh, challenges uh, with mental health, some of it really serious at times. Uh, you've been with me as a friend through some of the times when I've been at my best, but also you've experienced me when I'm absolutely at my worst. And it doesn't diminish who you are as a person. It's just a, you know, something you're you're going through and you can get through the other side. So, you know, thank you for sharing so openly. I guess for the benefit of uh, anybody who's feeling, you know, hey, things are getting on top of me at the moment or I need to uh, to seek out help, what advice would you give to them in the first instance? Oh, ask. Like, there's a, a bunch of different things that I that, that when I look back in retrospect for me were helpful. They, they may not be helpful to others, but these are the things that helped me. Number one was, was getting around groups of people that inspired me doing whatever I could to get around groups of people that inspired me. I, I grew up in some, some groups that were probably not inspiring groups that we would have been around and, and whatever. And so getting around good people, um, having people that you can speak to out in there. And, um, and even if that's just like, you know, us guys, we don't like speaking and sharing our challenges with each other. We, we often don't like that stigma has drastically changed in the past five years, which is awesome. But, um, but we don't like speaking. And so sometimes it's, you, even online, you've got these um these awesome. I don't. You probably know the names of some of them. I, I think is it Better Health or Betterment or something. There's some. There's like online therapy based things where you can jump online now and be connected to a therapist in like That's minutes right. for a, a, a paper thing. And so there's there's these sort of things that are, are tools that are available to you when you are challenged, where you've got someone or you're going through this crazy challenging time. And you don't know who to speak to. 
you, you can either jump on those sort of things. You can you can come into communities like CompTIA or Tech Tribe or whatever it is and find some trusted people in there to, to share your journey with. But I, I've found, for me, the biggest thing that that reduced the power these things had over me is by shining spotlights on them, not by running away from them, but by shining spotlights on on the pain that's there and and bringing um, bringing it out into the open is what what helped me get through those things. And and it's hard, like it's bloody hard when you're stuck in them and you can't see the forest from the trees, right? Like you're in this mode where everything looks bad, your entire life looks bad, and like there's there's many times, and I know you've shared with me as well. There's many times where all you want to do is literally just curl up in a ball and, and disappear, like literally just disappear. You, you don't feel like you've got a single bit of worth to the entire world. And, um, and, and those times are very hard for someone external to you to come and say, Hey, just go and speak to someone about it. Like I get how hard it is, but it's um, my encouragement is when, when, when we'd say that to you, we're saying it from a place where we've been in that, those shoes before. And we've got the benefit of hindsight to look back and go, I could have, should have just spoken to somebody and mentioned something out there. Um, and and on the flip side, um, there is going to be people out there that are still not going to say anything. And so that's on all of us to keep an eye out for them and to look for the signs when someone in our world or in our in our um, sphere of influence does look like they're struggling a little bit out there, and to 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 take our our role in society and and jump in and ask them if they're okay. I know in Australia we've got this this amazing day each year called are you okay day um i think it actually it might be a global thing i'm not sure um but it's just a day that's based around um shining a spotlight on depression and anxieties and, and whatnot and it's awesome because I, I get a bunch of messages in my my um inboxes just saying nigel are you okay just from people that maybe i haven't spoken to in a year or two and and they're, they're, they're friends that are enough of a friend that i would have a conversation with them if i did and or if i did need some help at that point in time and so i think sometimes it's just the onus is on the rest of us as well to look out for those around us that might be in such a dire straits that they're not ready to ask for help yet and just offering a little olive branch to them and and or something to them to go and do it um obviously some of the other stuff that helped me get through it is um a lot i, I learned in my my world um, and this again might not relate to or won't relate to everybody because there's so many different layers of things like depression and anxiety and causes and, and all sorts of stuff and um and whatnot. But for me, a lot of um I was able to control at least the levels of it with the nutrition and exercise, like with new with getting far better at my nutrition, including my alcohol consumption, and um and actually starting to do some sort of exercise in there and getting the endorphins running and having a sweat and and all of that stuff and finding a sport that I I really enjoy, which to me is surfing and um and whatnot. And I think those things had a huge play in it as well, in that they they just gave me that 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 different like something else to look forward to outside of of work being the only thing that I had back then. I had these other other hobbies or or things to look forward to, even though working out is sometimes not a thing to look forward to. There's still a ton of people out in the world that that get a massive high every time they do a workout and they do a a, a, a strength workout or a, a bench press or whatever it happens to be. And so I think a lot of it is not a lot of it, but but there is certainly something to say with nutrition and exercise is also a big key in a lot of us um, when we're we're struggling just to to help us um, help us have the best chance of being able to, to get through those times. You want to be feeding yourself well and, and, um, and at least getting a sweat and whatever in when you can to, to give our bodies the, the chance to be in a, an optimal state to, state to deal with some of the mental challenges that are going on inside our, our noggins or inside yeah. our heads. Great advice uh, there. And I've done a couple of presentations recently or a couple of, um, um, 
you know, stage appearances. And thanks to our friends at CompTIA for, for sort of shining a light on this subject of mental health. Um, you know, I did one in Las Vegas at the CompTIA, um, what's it called? CompTIA Channel Con uh, back in August. I did one in London as well, where I basically spoke openly, like you and I are now, about mental health challenges. And people ask me, what's the number one thing that you would suggest? I, I would say the number one thing is don't try and do this alone. And that goes, yeah. I, ironically, that goes for the managed service industry as a whole. Do yeah. not try to do this on your own, yeah. seeing <laughs> communities. But I would say the number two thing, and there's, there's a your benefit here is to reach out to other people to ask them how they're doing. I can't tell you the amount of times when I've, you know, received a text from yourself or someone else or another friend who said, hey, you doing, mate? What's going on? And you just need that person at time. And the flip side to that coin is it's really good for you because sometimes depression thrives on when you are focused on yourself. And so if you reach out to other people to help out, it boosts your own sense of self well-being as well 100 percent. i'm gonna add a, a little um story onto that one and um and again a little bit self-serving because it's my own story but um but one of the one of the volunteer organizations that i i do a lot of work with and, and the tech tribe supports is an organization in australia called disabled surfers association and what we do is um four times a year we go to the local beach out the front of my place and we take people with disabilities out for a surf and um and these could be people ranging from um, mild autism all the way up to ventilated quadriplegics and everywhere in between. And um, and we had an event two weeks ago, our, our first kickoff event of the season. We had 45 people with disabilities turn up and there was hundred about 150 of us volunteers that turned up um, to help them. And I've, I've been in it, doing it for many, many years and, and one of the team leaders in our local chapter here. Um, and And We've got this crazy, like we've been training on it for years. And we've got this crazy deep safety program and all sorts of stuff that we go through for this thing. But those those days there where I'm going, as you said, going and helping others in there have something that that for me, I take for, for granted that I get to go and, and surf a wave and, and have these amazing moments in the, in the ocean. Uh, but to be able to see these other, the, the smiles on faces of other people that are uh, in a much more disadvantaged solution situation than me, I, I'm, I'm wildly able-bodied and can go and do all this stuff and have easy access to it. To see that, to me, fills my cup to overflowing like crazy. Every single time I go, I cannot go away from one of those days without feeling on top of the world. And and in the early stages when I did it, I was I was like, oh, this I shouldn't be feeling this good about this. Like they're the ones that should be feeling good. I should be like it's a community service for me. But nowadays I've realized that that is it. It's that, that we all feel good, and there's it's not a zero sum game. Like we all can feel good in in this thing. And um and now that I've I've been in it for many years, and um and I've now got like as a team leader, you're, you're helping all the the newer people to it come through and learn how how we do everything and whatnot. But um we I'm seeing the other like some of the new people that are coming into the world having those same thoughts as me as I'm feeling guilty that I'm feeling so darn good <laughs> out of these days. Like, um, and and I'm like, don't feel guilty. That's it. Like, we're we're all having fun, and this is not it's not this zero sum game. We're all having fun here, and and look at the smiles that you're putting on those people's dials. You deserve to smile yourself because of that massive smile that you're seeing there in this person's face. That that they've 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 first time they've ever felt the ocean and stepped into the ocean and they're, they're riding on a wave with 30 people supporting them on one wave. We always have typically 25 to 30 people supporting one person on a wave. And, um, and you're, you, you're providing that thing for those people. And the, the, the smiles are up to here on everybody. And the, the local media always comes out and does videos of the whole thing. And the newspapers are always here taking photos and every single photo, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos that get shared at the end of those events. 
And all you can see is just raging smiles like from ear to ear across everybody. And I know everyone that comes away from those, those situations uh, or from those days that we have each year is like, they've got a full cup for weeks afterwards. They're like, holy crap, bring me back again. I've, I've, I had more fun than I, than I even feel care to admit that I had in these things, which is awesome. And I think that's a big part of it as well. The more we get out and help and serve and, and look after other people, it gives us that perspective as well. And, and often we don't have that perspective that, Hey, like when I was back in those, those horrible times, I thought that, that like I was the worst, like I was having the worst time of my life. And I look out and I go, Holy crap. Like I can't complain. Like, look at this. Like these, I, I am so privileged. It's not funny in here. And, and that's really, I, I should, I've got to get out there and help and, and help as much as I can. And, and, um, and I think that's, that's a, a big thing. If you can find areas where you can find another group of people that you can help, it doesn't have to be a, a charity, charity or whatever it is. It might be some people do it through their churches. Some people do it through their local, local, um, local communities. Some people do it in volunteer organizations like this. Like it's just go out and find a group of, of people that you can go out and help and serve and make their days brighter. And that's guaranteed to make your world brighter. Like it's just, it, it gets out there and you just, you come away from all those days grinning. Like you wouldn't believe when you, you've, you've helped someone else have a better day out there. And to me, that's, that's how I still wake up every day in the tech tribe, enjoying the tech tribe, because I get to, to grin where I see all these other people doing um, that are having better days because of what we do. And it and gives me that fuel to keep going as well. In there. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thanks for, for sharing that. And if you're listening to this, pause the podcast for a minute. Whoever you're thinking of at the moment, drop them a text and say, hey, how are you doing? Uh, it will make a big difference and get into the habit of doing that. It turns your focus out from yourself on to serving and helping others. And trust me, when I, I speak from experience here, Nigel probably agrees with this, you never know when that just a 30-second text message or a phone call or a message to someone else can make the world of difference. So go ahead and do that. Hey, Nigel, while we're on the subject of yep. woo-woo, shall I talk, call it that? <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more woo-woo just for a minute. So you and yep. I have been on similar paths with meditation, other personal sort of growth habits. Where's Nigel Moore's woo-woo at right now? Oh, good question. Um, so, so you you know that I, I've shared it a couple of times out in the world that I, I have slash had a daily meditation, daily journaling habit for yep. something like seven years where I didn't miss a beat. Um, every single day for seven years straight, I, I did some meditation every day and some journaling every day. And that was based on, on, um, just some insights that I had and some, some like ways that changed my world. Um, when we went on our last European trip, uh, only three or four weeks ago, I actually decided to stop that, um, that streak. And ah. the reason I did that, um, there's a few things. Number one is that i I've got to, I remember you getting to this point as well, where, where you said you feel like you were doing it for the ritual of the thing, not for the the benefits that it's giving you. Yeah. Um, and you were just trying to, and I got to that point in, in both of them there, where I thought that each day that I'm doing these now, I'm doing it just to keep that streak. I'm not doing it because, because it's benefiting me anymore. I'm still getting benefit out of it, but not every day. And so now my, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm self-aware enough and in control of my, my, my impulses around this stuff are now to know that when I do need to sit down and have a meditation or a break or a sit down and do some journaling, I do, but it's not via any um, strict thing. And so some days I'll be sitting here at my desk and I go, oh, I've just got this challenge and rah, 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 and I'll sit down and just journal it out. And it's still, so to me, both of them have kind of become an, an ingrained part in my life now to the point where it's not a daily habit anymore. It's just part of me. I just, when I, when I know I need that 
that space to to do those things, I'll just go and do it. Um, and so they still exist. Um, the the woo woo can probably go like woo woo is relative to everybody. What's one person's woo woo is another person's norm out there. Um, and I I err on this like I'm a skeptic at at best. And I think you you identify as a skeptic as as well. Um, but I also love the trying of new things and the the discovering new beliefs that people have around different things and and all sorts of modalities around different stuff and i love experimenting and playing and trying and so there's all sorts of different things that i i do um dive into and try to understand or or try out for myself and whatnot and they they go from biological things like um like all the the health stuff that we're on and supplement stacks and and all that sort of stuff um to to all the different things around um, like I've even in, in not not recently, but I've I've been in, down the plant medicine world a little bit, and I I understand a lot, or not a lot, but I know enough about that world and around how it works, and um and and just all sorts of different areas, and it just depends on like to me, um life is fun when you've got this this lens of discovery on all the time, and you're you're always out there trying to figure out like what bits can I take out of all these bits and pieces that I'm seeing from all these different people and beliefs and. Um, structures and <laughs> and societal norms and all this sort of stuff. What are all the things that I can take out that just uh, that I that, that gel and and align with me? And so I'm continually on that hunt, and I always am, and I think I always will be, and I want to always will be because it's exciting for me. I, I love the journey of 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 looking at ways I can learn how to better myself and better the impact that I give to the world and the impact I give to my family. Um, as much as um, the, some of the times the kids probably don't see that as a good impact, they probably see it as the world's worst dad. Um, but I think every dad, every dad has to deal with that one. Um, yeah, to me, it's this ongoing journey, just going down all different modalities, just learning all the time and just be, I'm genuinely curious about this stuff. You and I have gone pretty deep into some crazy um, conversations around around woo woo um, on things, and and I think um, there is so much. But to me, this next probably decade of of the world, um, especially with the, the the assistance of AI and and large language models and whatnot, is going to reveal to us far more about um, far more stuff about our inner psyche than it is around the, than the world outside us. I think we're going to understand far 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 more around. Um, how our brains work and how our minds work and and that there is far more to 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 the world than what we a lot of us experience every day and I think we're like, to me the next decade is going to be exciting with all the stuff that we think we're going to find in there and all the the layers of quantum physics that we're going to even go deeper and deeper and deeper into um, around how the the universe is uh, the fabric of the universe exists and all that sort of craziness um, I think we've got some really exciting discoveries in the next decade that are going to start to come to the forefront and AI is going to speed that up and kind of augment it and maybe even be a part of all of those, those discoveries out there. Who knows? Um, but I think I'm, I've just always got this curious eye on and, and trying to find any and every area of woo woo that I can, or just personal growth and that I can find and see what parts I align with and, and believe and what parts I don't, whether I should be believing those things and whatnot. It's always a continual evolving journey for me. And I, I love it. Agreed. You and I have been on that on a similar sort of path, similar sort of journey. And and I guess some people are going to be listening to this and go, what the heck are these guys on about? This has got nothing to do with managed services. But I can tell you whenever, uh, Nigel, whenever I speak to people about subjects such as meditation, you know, we jokingly call woo-woo, journaling, even consciousness, AI, you know, these big, deep uh, subjects of human nature and what the universe is and things like that. 
we get a ton of really intrigued and interested feedback uh, from right. listeners as well. So it's got nothing at all to do with managed services, yep. but it's got everything to do with personal yep. growth and leadership and that. So I, I will leave it at there. But let's move, let's change gear a minute. So as well as the tech tribe, you're also an investor in tech businesses. What What's new and exciting for you in that mm. world? I've only got a couple um, on the board, but the, the, the latest fun one was um, a a learning management system out there that I, I, I known the guy who founded it for, for many, many years in his previous business. And he was doing an awesome job. I was a client of his previous business. And, um, and he went and built this thing that if I was to start the tech tribe again today, I would probably host the tech tribe on this, this platform. Um, although it's, 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 it's probably not useful for the MSP industry. It's useful for a lot of other industries out there. MSP is probably a little bit different because we're very techy and, and we want to, we want to, customize the crap out of it. But for most other things, and I looked at this platform and went, holy crap, they've figured out the intersection between um, community and education and brought it all together in a unified platform really, really well. And so I, I I messaged the guy with a cold call and said, hey, if you happen to ever be raising money, I am super interested in getting involved. And he writes back nearly immediately saying, oh, we're just about to close on our, our, our round of financing and we've got this much left. And so I took every spare cent or every cent of it I could and um, have invested into that. Um, so that was the latest one. That was kind of exciting. It's that's one of those 10-year angel investment, or it's it's much, much, much bigger than a standard angel investment, but it's a a 10-year thing that that will, if it plays off, it'll it'll um it'll be a 20 or 30 times investment of of that the amount that I put in there. Um and it's an awesome, I just think they're doing an amazing job of it. Another one that I'm I'm in the process of talking to at the moment, which hasn't closed yet, but it's a a, a um a bricks and mortar business um where they're they're kind of disrupting in Australia the or not disrupting but they're they're doing a really good job of the um out here we've got this big 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 industry of granny flats out here in Australia. I don't know if you've got granny flats over in the UK. Yeah, all, yeah, like we we have some of that type of thing. Yeah. The garden shed. Um or right. the, the garden but, shed but, the grand, bottom of the garden where where granny yeah, can yeah. live self-contained but also be a part Correct. of the yeah. it's huge out here in Australia. Like where we live, the, the council zoning's made it so that it's very easy. So nearly every house in all these back streets here has a granny flat put on it. And um and they spend like thirty to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars building these granny flats on there. And so um, it's a completely not related to the tech industry whatsoever. Um, but it's one of those ones, like I've always had this love of, um, the experience around building accommodation out there. And I, I think there will be some more businesses that I get involved with over the, over the years around ex- hotels or short-term rentals slash, um, slash building, building some sort of, um, accommodation stuff. And so we, um, we're, we're, we're going through the process of that one at the moment that may close um, sometimes mm, as well. Interesting. Um, have to keep us yeah, keep us posted to. on where you are with that. Yeah, fun. <laughs> Always looking for I... more, but lately I haven't been focusing too much on it because I've just been head down, bum up on the tech tribe, it, and um, it can be a distraction. Looking for deals. Yeah, I haven't been active. I, I I went through a stage where I was really actively looking and and working on deals and whatever, and um, that's in the past years settled down a lot because we've just got a lot to do inside the tech tribe and. Um, so I'm now, if there's a really, 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 really awesome deal out there, I'll hunt it. But, um, but there's, it's very rare that I find one that will, that excites me that much as well. I think some of the next ones will, will probably be in the longevity or anti-aging slash, um, proactive health space as well as a a space that I want to start doing some investing. And I'm doing a bunch of research into how that industry works and the main players in the industry and, and where all the pockets are of, of different startups that are popping up and and whatnot, just getting my grasp of that industry because I can see some, it excites the crap out of me, number one. And number two, 
it's it's only getting bigger by massive amounts that that whole space and so um i'm super interested in getting involved a little bit more in that one as well yeah interesting one thing i've neglected or we have neglected uh, to share and i think uh, astute listeners will have picked this up Nigel, you're based in Sydney, Australia. <laughs> yes, mate. <laughs> yes, mate. Uh, good day to you. And uh, obviously, I'm in at home in the studio in Newcastle upon Tyne in the northeast of England. So you're staying up late to speak to me here. It's about ten in the morning there. So it's probably about what time is it for you? Ten twenty past nine at night. Twenty past me. nine at night. So thank yeah. you, my friend, for staying up late. Right. To, to chat to me. You're a dad. You know, we talked about Clem, your wife, and you're a dad to three children as well. So I appreciate you sort of staying up late, having this conversation. Super respectful yeah. of your time, but no we we cannot we cannot go through this interview without letting people know a little bit more about who Nigel Moore is <laughs> behind the Tetra, behind the baseball cap as well. So tell me, what's something surprising that people may not know about you, Nigel? So this is one that I've, I've had a few people tell me that they completely do not believe it, but I am, I am a raging introvert, like raging introvert. And there is very, 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 very little part of me that's got any extroverted qualities whatsoever. And, and most people are hover between the two and whatnot and, and whatnot, but like my extrovert, uh, extrovertism or whatever you want to call it is like 0.01% of me. Like I'm a raging, they put me behind the scenes and not speak to any humans ever. And I'm in my, my happy place. Um, but, um, I have to push through that every single day because I, I can't do what I do if I don't push through that. Um, but if but leave me to my own devices and holy crap, like I'll sit there and some people go, Oh, like when, when people hear that, they're like, I, I remember a few people specifically saying, um, Oh, so it's, it's all okay for an extrovert like you. And I'm like, hang on. I'm like, I feel like I'm the polar opposite of an extrovert. And we had this conversation and, and how I like, have had to work through that over many, 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 many years. And they're like, holy crap. Like I would, I would, I assumed you were born extrovert and you were born comfortable in front of a camera and whatnot. And I'm like, heck no, like the journey to get comfortable in front of a camera and, um, and be confident talking to other people, um, on about the stuff I talk about has been one long, long, tough journey for me to get through. And, um, and while I'm more than happy to, to, to share about it and whatnot, it was, also friggin' tough going through that. And so I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that I am crazy introverted um, to the point where I, even when I was at school, um, I used to, like I've shared the story a, a bunch of times that I, I used to get bullied and whatnot at school. Um, I had orange hair, which is number one thing to, to let's all go and bully the, the, the redhead. Um, but I also had the name of Nigel, which in Australia always had the moniker of Nigel No Friends. And so I was there, I was called the redheaded ratting, redheaded rat rooting Nigel No Friends. Um, and I got bullied a fair bit at school to the point where I just didn't want to speak to anybody. So I used to walk around with the garbage man um, at every lunchtime. I just used to follow this amazing old gentleman um, that you, his whole job was to walk around with a big auto bin around to all the trash bins and just empty the trash into the bin. And I was so scared of speaking to any other kids or anyone that this kind and this kind old gentleman was the, the kind of the only energy that I, I even wanted to be around at school for, for years um, at a time. And so I used to just walk around following him um, and doing that because I, I didn't, um, I didn't want to interact with anyone out there. I, it was either I was going to get bullied or I just didn't feel like I, I was worth going and talking to other people out there. 
Um, and so that might be some some people don't know about me. I've shared a, a little bit out there, but not too yeah. much. Um, it, and I get again, I think the majority of people who have seen you speak on stage or you know, events or whatever, which you don't do very often, to be no. fair. <laughs> when you do, you go all in with it. Uh, that's a story yeah. for another day, another example it of your high level of attention to detail. But yeah, I, I would have thought most people would have thought, oh, you're extroverted. So thank you. Not uh, even close for sharing yeah. that. I, I want to share close. a quick story that I brought your name up in conversation just yesterday so we're hiring for for new people within my team within team tub and the lady i was speaking to i sent a video message to her uh you know having a conversation with her and that and she replied back and she was like oh thanks so much for the video message i'm not brave enough to do video yet and we i brought up i said well interesting you say that because <laughs> people assume and you know where i'm going with this my friend but yeah, yeah. people assume <laughs> exactly. that people like you and i we're just perfectly comfortable on camera yeah yeah couldn't be further from the case. And, and I learned this from you. So when new members join the tech tribe, I don't know if you still do this, I presume you do, but do. <laughs> you record a video message to them saying, welcome. And we've already said there's like 4,000, almost 5,000 odd members within the tech tribe. So there's you know thousands and thousands of videos you've done. But what I learned from you about getting comfortable on camera is the more you do it, the more you get comfortable, the reps. better you get, the more you get comfortable. Reps, 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 well. reps, and, reps, and more reps. And I was saying to, you know, to this lady yesterday, I was like, oh, I was never comfortable with this, but I learned from my friend Nigel Moore. He recorded videos. And now I think nothing twice about, you know, firing up the camera or having a microphone stuck in my face and doing an interview <laughs> or whatever. And I think the lesson for everybody listening is if you're just not, you know, the, the certain things that we're not so strong at, the certain things that were naturally just sort of gifted at, regardless of what it is, if you put the repetitions and if you do it consistently, you are going to get better. And the better you get, the more comfortable you get, the better you get. So yeah, thank you again for another life lesson learned from you. Yeah. yeah, most people it will take maybe thirty to fifty to a hundred videos to get comfortable in front of a camera. I was about a thousand videos before I got comfortable in front of a camera. I was a slow learner out there. Um, and it, but I, now I'm I'm bloody grateful that I went through that process as well because I'm very comfortable talking to a camera and talking to people and, and being interviewed and all that sort of stuff. But holy crap, it was not comfortable. And what I love seeing out in the world at the moment is um, MSPs. There, there's some awesome ones over in the UK. I know I think it's John Fisher who came to an event over there. He's been wonderful video from John. We'll include yes. it in the show notes because um, he was. It, it's a wonderful video and we'll say no more about it. We'll let people actually yeah, do it, so. That's what I love seeing is, is people like him go out and throw, they'll go and do a couple of videos and, um, and in the space of five, 10, 15, 20 videos, they get really good. And I love seeing that. I'm jealous a little bit because they get so good <laughs> and it's so darn quick, but it's so awesome because they're, they're people that are just, they're, all he's doing is just getting past that fear that he's, that, that he's going to show up like crap or whatever. And he's, it's just reconciling that the first couple are going to be crap and getting through them to to the, the the paradise on the other side. There's this there's this quote that I I always have loved and I try to live by it most of the time of um, that everything you've always wanted is on the other side of fear and um, and to me that that speaks to that whenever like all these things where we've got opportunities for personal growth or or dealing with conflict like we were talking about before. A lot of all of that stuff is always on the other side of something that scares us, right? Like there's always, there's always something that scares us in front of those things. And but on the other side of those things, when we push through them, and when we work through them, and when we we deal with the conflict, or we push through the the, the the horrible videos up front or whatever, everything we always want is on the other side. The confidence, the the charisma that we we might try and build it for ourselves, the the 
the the respect that we get from other people, all of that stuff that we always wanted is on that other side um, of, of pushing through that fear stuff out there. And it's been a, a quote that stuck with me forever. And um, and I, I, it was awesome the other day to see one of our, our team members that you and I um, both worked with inside the Tech Tribe for many years, um, Javier, um, who's still a, he doesn't work with the Tech Tribe anymore, but he's still a, a good friend. And we, we chat, um, we chat semi-regularly, but he sent me a message last week that um, he also, as I used to talk to that quote, I used to talk to that, to him about that quote and and whatnot. And, um, and he went out and got it tattooed last week on himself um, because wow. it spoke to him so much as well. And that, that he knows that the times where he's grown himself in so much in as a person has been the times where he stepped out of his comfort zone and he's, he's gone and shone a spotlight on the things that were scaring the crap out of him. And he's done it exceptionally well over the years uh, where he's, he's pushed himself into areas which are scary and hard and he's grown in those times. And, and this is his reminder to keep doing that um, to himself and not, not um not not let complacency take over and and um or comfortability take over and it can be hard to 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 not let comfortability take over especially when you get some degree of success and whatnot as well as it can then get to the point where you go ah oh, like it's a little bit easy from here let's take the easy route and and cruise along but complacency then jumps in and and before you know it you're you're getting sideswiped from from lots of different directions from people coming in and 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 whatnot so. I think um, it's one of those things that I, I I love that whole notion, and I I, I applaud Javier for going out and, and getting it actually inked in his in his arm, which was awesome to just remind him of it. And so one of my favorite quotes and monikers for life. Good job, Javier. I'm going to have to text the man afterwards in Mexico and Ask say, "Come picture. on, send me the picture of this uh, yeah, yeah. of this uh, uh, tattoo." Now, now I've spilled the beans publicly on, <laughs> on on a podcast. I'm sure he'll be fine with that. Him and I have known I each other well known long enough for me to know that he's perfectly okay with me sharing that. Well, you've inspired not only myself so many other people you've influenced so many people within the tech tribe and further afield as well but who's the biggest influences on your personal and professional life nigel who do you consider maybe coaches or mentors well good question i've had lots over the years at different phases of my my journey um starting off from um the people, the, the person that saw something in me when I was at university and and hired me for my first tech job in 2018, um, to the person, the client in my MSP that um, that that when I was going through that challenging time working for that other person and um, and they they gave me the the confidence to to say, hey Nigel, you've got to get out of that craziness. I've I've been I've, I've seen it for the last ten years going on like that and you've got to get out of there and I'm going to be your first client tomorrow if you do. Um, and then that person then supported me through those first couple of years in my MSP. Like that was another huge pivotal person in my life. Um, to, to then when I was going through that journey of, of selling my MSP and, um, and starting up the tech drive, there were people in my world like um, Taki Moore and James Shramko um, who were both incredible coaches to people in small online businesses and community building things. And so I learned a lot from them um, and was in their programs and, and, um, and whatnot. But then um, there's a bunch of unofficial mentors. I like to call them like people that have no clue who the heck Nigel Moore is. Um, but I, I, I digest every single thing that they throw out in the world and, and try like they're my unofficial mentors because I read every blog post and watch every video and read every book that they do. And they're, they're people like um, I mentioned before, like the Dan Sullivan's and, um, people like Marcus Lemonis has had a, a huge impact on, on my world in terms of the, investing in other businesses and whatnot. Obviously, everybody says the Richard Branson. You can't go by without saying the Richard Branson because he's just uh, like the kind of guy that just gets out and his, his whole motto of screw it, just do it is is so freaking awesome. And he's he lives that that lifestyle of everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. 
Um, but there's 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 tons of people over the years. Um, in terms of the industry, like when I was going through the MSP industry, there was people like you and Carl Palachuk who had both started putting yourself out there um, with your books and and blog posts, and and they were you guys were mentors to unofficial mentors because you had no idea who Nigel was at the time. Um, to me at the time, going through through those phases of my journey, and there's always like a right now I've I'm not in any other bigger programs out there, but there's um there's coaches and consultants that I work with that on specific things that I'm challenged with at the moment, like um, community stuff where I'm working with one of the world's best community consultants in the world at the moment to figure out how we can, we can build the next layers of our community team inside the tribe. And um, so I'm continually looking for the people that, that have been and done what I've done before and trying to figure out what I can learn from them. And they they show up in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways. And um, sometimes it's from, um, reading a book that's not even related to, to to what we do and and hearing about a weird and wonderful idea in that that then um pops up like to me I'm the the, the world really is my mentor now like I'm, I'm out there trying to figure out like just I see so much of the world looking at every angle I possibly can to to all get mishmashed into there to come out with with all the stuff that I end up creating out there so I, there's lots and lots and lots it's hard to point specific um out to specific people though. Uh, because there's so many of them out there and um, and whatnot. But I think you've done yeah, a great job a there of, of sharing some thanks for the kind words. Carl Palachuk, of course, is a mentor to a, a great friend to both of us as well. But outside of the industry, we'll include in the show notes links to all of those people, Dan Sullivan of, and others that you've mentioned, because they are well worth any listener uh, going and checking out. On the subject of books, uh, I know you're an avid book reader like myself. What would you say is the book you've most often recommended or gifted to other people one of the most gifted books i've ever i've probably sent out hundreds of this book um over the years is is a book called principles by ray dalio um who's mm. a founder of bridgewater associates over in the u.s a large hedge fund um uh, firm but he's a the way his brain works um in terms of trying to figure out every single situation that ever happens in his own world and his business and, and the world as a whole and distilling it down into a set of core principles and beliefs and, and understanding all those patterns and, and how things repeat based on previous historical circumstances and whatnot blows my mind as to the, how he he's codified all this stuff. And I absolutely love that, that his principles and the way his, his mind works in there. So I think that's one of my favorite, it's a very kind of esoteric 20,000 foot view kind of book that, um, it can be a hard read sometimes. Like I've got to take it in tiny doses when I am reading it. It's, it's one of those things that you kind of revisit and look at different bits from time to time. Um, so that's a that's probably a, a great one. If you haven't read it, it is, as I said, it is a hard read though. And sometimes it's, you can get, I think there's the um, the cut down versions of it now, like the the summary of principles and whatnot. And there's also some cut down audible versions where you can get through it a little bit faster because it's also a very big book as well uh, to get through. But I have, like I'm, Next to my my bed, um, I have got, I'm going to say, probably 20 books that I'm currently reading, I would say, <laughs> beside there. And that's 20 books and probably three to, oh, no, probably 10 plus printed newsletters um, from all sorts of different marketing companies and whatnot that are sitting down there. Um, I spend something like, I don't know, $500 a month just on marketing newsletters that I go and read just because I love the space. Uh, but there's probably about 20 different books and some of them I've read before and some of them I'm reading again. Um, some of my favorites in the business space, um, like everyone's got the favorite of the e-myth, but, um, but my, um, my more favorite book around that space is, 
And, and this is going to come with a word of caution. There's a book, Traction by Gino Wickman, um, right. which talks about the operating system, the, like an, an operating system for a small business around all the different meeting cadences you have and the structure that you use to set goals and accountability frameworks and all that sort of stuff. And I love, love, love that, that book with the cautionary tale on there that the book and the, the, the traction EOS methodology that Gino Wickman talks about in that book um, as is, is often overkill for most MS or a lot of MSPs in the marketplace to, to fully implement in their business. And, um, and Gino even says that himself in that you typically got to wait until you're like to fully implement that operating system in your business. You typically got to wait till you've got a, a proper leadership team of multiple people and you're doing multiple, multiple millions of dollars in revenue. Um, not just a million bucks or less kind of thing. And so that book, but, but in saying that, um, I think nearly every MSP out there can implement parts of that and be a better business because of it. And so I think it's a very awesome book because of that. But I just want to make sure I throw that caveat in there that when you read that book, you're probably going to go, holy crap, I need to implement this whole thing for myself because I'm so excited about what this framework is going to do for me. But don't, unless you're a business that's got the entire team of, of executive leaders on there with teams underneath them and whatnot, and you're doing the multi-millions, don't try and implement the whole lot. Just take bits and pieces out of it that are right-sized for you at your point in your journey at the moment in there. Uh, but but there's a lot of stuff in there that's applicable to every business, starting from a one-human shop all the way up to the 50-seat, the 100-seat companies out there. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that, that's applicable to them all in there. We talked about gifts. You're one of the most generous people I know, genuinely, you know, and again, I'll make you blush here, but you've literally made me burst into tears with gifts you've sent me as a friend. I'm sat here... Uh, this is not good for the podcast, wall, but just just out of uh, view here, there's uh, an Atari uh, acoustic coupler that Nigel sent to me. I'd been searching for years, and Nigel trapped one down the other side of the planet and sent it to me. I won't explain what that is, but yeah. say it was it was uh, super important to me uh, and, and one of the, the the most amazing gifts I've ever received. However, I've got to say, and I, I will share something about you that perhaps people don't know. You love sending gifts. You send hundreds of books to people every year. You send wonderful, touching gifts to people and friends and colleagues and that. But you don't like receiving gifts, right? No. Why is no. this? Tell us more. Good question. Um, I always say good question, but good question, that one. Then um, this is more so nowadays, is that I am one picky bastard, right? Like I am very, <laughs> very, very picky on on what sort of stuff I have in my life. And um, and. And I'm very specific on even down to the, the the thread count of the type of shirt that I wear or the type of hats that I like, everything that's in my life, I am very, very specific down to the type of pen that I write with. And it's because all of those things give, like I, I work, like I'll often go through 20 different pens to find the pen that I want to write with. And um, and I don't know, it's just some weird thing about me is that little things like that have a big impact on me. Like my environment around me has a big impact. And so often like people will will put all this time, effort, and energy into coming up with a gift that they think is awesome for me. And they're putting all this love and attention and everything into it. And then I receive it and it's different to what I would like. And, I, and it doesn't like it's whether if it, if it was a pen, for instance, it's not the type of pen that I would use. And then I feel horrible because this person's put all of this effort and energy and attention and love and care and, and stuff into something that I actually, it's not something that I would use. And I, I feel like it nearly makes me cry when that stuff happens. And I just feel so bad for, for the person. That's why Christmas is like my wife um, and kids have got me the, the Christmas pajamas, uh, the Grinch pajamas that I have to wear because at Christmas time, I actually do genuinely struggle at Christmas time because um, I see my family and put time and effort and energy into gifts for me. 
that I I don't actually want. <laughs> and that's a horrible thing to say. Like it's a it sounds so bloody um arrogant and and it makes me feel arrogant when I do it. But they're these things that for whatever reason, like I feel like I've already got everything I need. And and I'm I'm so lucky that if there is something else that I want, I will go and get it and I will go and figure out what's the best version of that for me and I'll get that particular thing whether it's a pen or a set of undies or whatever the heck it happens to be. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a bit of that, which sounds horrible. It sounds so bloody self-serving in there, but it's, it's, I, I hate waste and I hate not, not only waste of physical things in something that I'm going to get and it's just going to sit there being unused, but I also hate the waste of knowing that a person's put a bunch of their, their own time and effort and energy into me. And I'm not, in a spot where I feel like I'm appreciating it. And that sucks to me. So my whole rule is please don't buy me anything. I've got everything I possibly can need. If you want to give me something, um, I've got some some favorite charities that I I have and I, I just direct people to them because that honestly does. When I see someone donate to a charity in my name or whatever, um, like that puts a smile on my face. It really does. And and that's it's awesome. And um, and so that's kind of in a self-serving way as to why I'm it's hard to buy me things. Um, some people, I will say that some some of our Tech Tribe members, uh, multiple Tech Tribe members, have actually hunted down my my home address by videos that they've seen and gone on Google and hunted down my <laughs> home address and sent me cheese boxes uh, because they know I've got this crazy love of of, of high quality stinky French cheeses. And um and they've gone down which has been incredible to to see them and and don't get me wrong those ones were appreciated and ate and <laughs> eaten really quick smart. I struggle with gifts. I mean I've pretty much given up now. But the the only other gift I've got in my back pocket for you and I think I've shared this with <laughs> you is the next time you're over in my part of the world I'm mm. going to take you to a cheese making. You mentioned that the cheese making cheese making yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, an experience which I'm sure you will uh, uh, will appreciate. Yeah yeah. Uh, yeah but there we to go. To me the the ultimate gift for me is experience or seeing, seeing, um, seeing other people being able to to do awesome things in the world like that. That sounds crap and weird and whatnot. Like, do people really, really think like that? But I, I do. Like, I love seeing when other people, um, either go and donate to something because of because they were inspired to because of something I said or whatever it happens to be. And that really genuinely does excite the crap out of me. And, um, and so, yeah, like, cause I, I live in this place of luck where I, if I, as I said, if I do want something, I'll go and buy the thing that I want myself. And I, I also try to live, I, I don't like, as I said, I don't like waste. Um, and so I try to live in a space where I don't have a lot of waste in my life either in terms of consumption of things, but um, and that's probably why Christmas is tough for me because I just see so much like our kids getting one million toys each, and I'm like, oh my goodness! Like, and it puts me in these moods of oh, there's so many other awesome things that we could be doing here, and and so I kind of do get in that struggle. Grinchy, like they call me the Grinch for that, and I have to wear the the Grinch green uniform on Christmas Day because I'm I'm sitting there angry, and Mum's kind of finally realised that <laughs> I've just got to give Nigel money because <laughs> that's it because she has to give something. She can't not give anything, so she just gives me money now. It's Instead of the socks and the undies and the, the all those sorts of, of things that um that I just never use. You know? I I have exactly the same sort of thing at Christmas. I love receiving gifts. I've got to say, so right. for yeah. the benefit of listeners, <laughs> send all your send, stuff send to me. Order Richard, please, to me because I love that sort of stuff. But I generally send do because I you know I'm a, uh, love the uh, effort that people put in and stuff. Yes. However, yeah. at Christmas time, and we're not the only people. Uh, my good friend Chris Tate who's been on the podcast before as well. He, I know he struggles this time of year. 
for the same sort of things you talked about, just see the the massive amount of overconsumption. And we, we won't go off on a, a soapbox there, but what I will say is you and I are recording this episode uh, in mid-December 2023 yeah, at the Christmas moment. Christmas time. We're, we're approaching uh, Christmas time. So we will, in the show notes for this episode, if you've got value from what Nigel has said, and come on, people, the guy has dropped value <laughs> bombs left, right, and center here. Uh, we'll include Nigel's favorite charities in the Thank show you. notes as well. If anybody wants to donate to them, uh, you can go and do that. I also want to give you a public shout out, Nigel. So uh, you've been really supportive of a charity that I'm involved in called Network 4, mm. uh, which is a charity for the vulnerable uh, and the homeless in uh, my hometown of Birmingham. You've donated heavily from the tribe before now, and it has made such a difference to Gary Wicker and the team at Network 4. So Ooh. Gary wanted me to pass on his love and appreciation as well, Nigel. So awesome. thank you for that. Glad it was helpful. For the whole tribe. That's what makes me happy is when I hear that the stuff that we do helps. That's it. Yeah. Well, one final question just before we go. I guess it's getting late for you. I, I turned 47 years old this year. Remind me how old you are. 23. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> What year are we? 2023. 43. 43. So I've got yeah, about so four years 44 years. next year. Yeah, 44 next because I'm on the I'm an 80s child. So that yeah. ends up. What's the end game for Nigel Moore? Do you have a plan on retiring? What do you think your future is? No, no. <laughs> retirement. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I can stop. Um, I I love travel. Um uh, although the last month with a two-year-old kid kind of maybe changed some of my we were talking my, about it just before we came on air so yeah give listeners an insight you've you've just come back you've been in uh paris you've been in england you've been in yeah. all over the shop with your in, in spain for a little bit and then malaysia um we, my wife is french and so we normally go across to france to do the relative thing once a year sometimes twice a year um and so we went across and we had christmas this year over in or the last year sorry the, the last christmas over in France for the first time in ever and had a white Christmas and whatnot. We had the the little guy and he was one and a bit then. Um, and I've got two elder daughters that are eight and 10 um, and they travel perfectly. Okay. They've been traveling their whole life. And so they travel perfectly. Okay. But this little one-year-old then was crazy. And uh, I'm like, holy crap, I don't know if I can travel with him again. And then <laughs> my wife wanted to go to the rugby world cup because it was in Paris and she's a massive rugby fan. Um, having grown up playing rugby for one of the Paris teams and, and whatnot. And, um, so we went, all right, we'll go and do the Rugby World Cup and we bought the tickets so that we could all go and see it as a family and went back across and took the little guy with us and he's two this time. And holy moly, that was um, it's crazy, <laughs> like absolutely crazy is the easiest way I can I can explain it. Um, from bursting his eye blood vessels in his eyes from screaming so loud on the, the flights to – to trying to steal skulls out of the catacombs in Paris to, to all sorts of craziness. Text um, me. You text me with that stop. story about him trying to steal the skulls from the catacombs. I could not stop falling he around laughing stop. at the idea of the little man trying to steal skulls. Oh, man, he didn't stop. It was it was 24 by 7 of him just in chaos mode. And he's in that mode. Like, I get it. He's in that, that two-year-old mode where he's curious about everything and anything and fiercely independent. And so... It was a crazy three. We were there for three and a half weeks, but my goodness, um, I am turned off travel um, for a little bit after that one. Um, as I said with the girls, though, um, like 
I find that when they hit about four years old and um, they, that's where it became much, much, much easier to travel with them. And they, they're a dream to travel with now. I took them um, two months ago across the US to a music festival of all things, just for a week, just the two elder girls and me. And and we had a ball. We had so much fun and and they were extremely easy to travel with. But then we came back and a week later we went to France and all hell broke loose with the little guy who one day he might go back and listen to this podcast in 20 years time and and think, Dad, you're you're mean to me, but dude, you were mean to me. <laughs> I'm going to make a point of extracting yeah, you, this. You can send it to him. Futureme.org um, or something, because selling it, uh, sending it to Harlem when he gets to about 18 years of age. So uh, exactly. But on the way back, as I said, we um we stopped via Kuala Lumpur, and I flew my whole team in from all around the world, like the whole Tech Tribe team in from all around the world, and 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 some of their families were able to fly in as well, which was awesome because. Um, all three of my kids were able to hang out with some of their kids and play and have a bunch of fun. And that was, that was the awesome part of the trip coming back, um, from there and spending a bunch of time with some of the people that had worked for me for four years now in the tribe that I'd never met in person. Um, it was, it was such an amazing time to do it and where we have on our plans to do some sort of team catch up retreat somewhere around the world, hopefully once every year, um, as we go, it's for, for remote teams, highly recommended. Yeah. Um, even if you can't do it once a year, do it once every 18 months or two years or something out there and get your team in person together. Well, again, um, you've, you've, uh, you've inspired me on that one. Like yourself, I've got a remote team. We've got team members in South Africa and France, ironically, and uh, all <laughs> over. And we, we said exactly the same thing. It's like we've got most of the European guys together, but we yeah. haven't got the South African team members together. So we're looking right. at doing something where we can all, all get together right. in one place. But uh, yeah, yet another well example worth. of where you have inspired me, my friends. So we are at the end of our time. I've got to let you get off and spend some time with your uh, with your lovely family. I'm there, asleep. Clem and the kids. <laughs> no, they're, they're all in bed. The kids are in bed. That's for oh, sure. Well, mate, this has been absolutely inspiring as always. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm looking at the time here. You're either coming up to or surpass the record set by our mutual friend Scott Riley for the the longest <laughs> ever episode of uh, a Tub Talk. I make no apologies about it, uh, dear listener. The amount of time Nigel and I have spent, I could spend forever talking to this guy, but he's got a life to get back to. But thank you, my friend, for everything you've done in the community, for everything you've done for me personally. Uh, you are an awesome human being, an inspiring human being, and uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And right back at you, because I wouldn't have been able to even get through my MSP journey if I didn't come across you and Rich and, and Carl Palachuk at the time that I did as well. So throwing that 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 love straight back at you through the camera. Thank you, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Now, at, at this point, at the end of the episode, I normally ask my guests for details of how listeners can contact them and continue the conversation. Yeah. But Nigel, you know, believe it or not, given how much you've shared, you're actually, I know for a fact, you're quite a private person when it comes yeah. to email, social media and the like like that. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. <laughs> yep. So if somebody really wanted to reach out to you, how would they recommend, how would um, you recommend to them they do that? Good question. It's hard. Um, and I've kind of made it intentionally hard because I struggle with a lot of interactions with people. Um uh, but you can find our stuff at thetechtribe.com. You can join, you can add me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there. I'm on Facebook as well. And I'll, every now and then I'll share some stuff on, on Facebook. But if you message me on those platforms, it's very rare that I'll see it or reply um, on theirs. I'll set that expectation up front. But um, I'm also on Twitter as well. I don't tend to engage on the platform at all, but I'm also on those things. Um, so you're going to search and find me there. Um, yeah. 
Well, we'll in, include in the show notes. The easiest place to find me, as biased as that is. <laughs> like, that's no, no, I'm, not at all. We'll like, include in the show notes all of your social media links and all the rest of it. Um, and for the benefit of listeners, uh, Nigel has always been super generous uh, uh, with us at Team Turbo, supporters of the tribe. So we've got a link, uh, tub.co forward slash tech tribe. And I believe the discount is something like up to 49% at the moment. Yes. Uh, on yep. tribal yep. membership. Let's change so, that with the new price increase. Yeah. Uh, tub.co forward slash tech tribe. And again, I, I say this openly, but for any people who join up for the tribe through that link, not only do you get the discount, but I'll send you a copy of my latest book. So just send me, uh, you know, the, the receipt from the tribe and I'll send that across to you. But Nigel, thank you, my friend. This has been thank absolutely you. awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you. No problems. I appreciate you too. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's gogo.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.